Mitch Unfiltered, episode 115. Subscribe and listen anywhere that podcasts are found, along with my dear friend, Hotshot Scott, who should be fresh as a daisy. We don't need a cardiologist. <laughs> We're more relaxed than even going to the ballet. This was an easy weekend. An easy weekend watching the Seahawks play, no? Watching the Seahawks was easier, but then there's that whole cockamamie pool that we're in, the Beat the Boys, and <laughs> I got to sweat that crap so out now. So you're just oh. now finding things to stress out over. <laughs> yes. We start the show, every single week we start the show with, is there ever going to be a time we can watch the Seahawks play a football game where they win and we don't have to yeah. stress to the very, very end? Then they do it for you. And now you come in complaining about Beat the Boys. Staring at the Bears-Saints game like my life depends on What'd it. What'd you have you know? in that game, by the way? I had the Saints. So did I. Nice! How'd What'd you, you have in the Steelers-Ravens game? That one killed me. That one, like, bummed me out all day. Why don't day. we go opposite? Why what? do we keep you doing this? You had them too? I, I, had, I had the Ravens. Yeah, so did I. But I went two and one. So did I. Okay, but we, four and two's good. Yeah, but we have the same picks. So we're not going to gain any ground on anybody. We're so far behind. We need to gain ground on like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Well, I think our four and two will do that right now. I mean, I think that's a nice little chunk of... What's a four of, and two? Two weeks in a row of two and one each? Well, no. You and I both went two and one this right, week, so right. four and two this week. I think that's good. Well, no, no. We don't really go four and two. We each go two and one. All right. But they have to be both of us. Yes. Okay. All right. Hey, I'm happy I went two and one, and I was this close. <laughs> Lamar Jackson can't get two yards. He's like the fastest quarterback in the history of the game. Not only could he not get two yards, how about the two turnovers? <laughs> he, threw, he threw two picks way deep in his own territory oh. at the beginning of the game and at the beginning of the third quarter. If he doesn't do either one of those things, the Ravens win. I'm trying either to put, one of those things. I know. I'm trying to put notes together, so I'm keeping an eye on it. I look up, and there's Roethlisberger <laughs> throwing touchdowns like he did in I love that you're stressed out by beat the boys. I know this is, I, this I love is why that. I quit gambling I though. This is why. This is why I don't do fantasy. I like to just watch a nice football game, not worry about the stress. So you should have said to me way back when, I'm not doing beat the boys. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to pick football games in the beat the boys competition. It seemed easy though when you brought it up. Oh, well, pick the game. That's easy. I guess since you brought it up, I guess we can <laughs> skip down to there. We both went two and one. Here's this week's games real quickly oh, okay. for the beat the boys. It'll be weekend number nine. Coming up? Uh, yeah. Weekend number nine That's coming right. up. Dolphins at Cardinals. Oh, big Dolphins uh, fan. Ravens at Colts. Okay. And Saints at Bucks round two. Oh. Those are your three games. And the code word is to be able to make your picks in the Beat the Boys competition presented by Fireside Home Solutions, which reminds you that football season is fireplace season and begin your search for a brand new fireplace at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Your code word is, Hotshot, okay. Tua. Look at this guy. <laughs> Oozing with Tua pride. Yeah, after his 94-yard performance. <laughs> the code word is Tua, T-U-A. And there was some scuttlebutt that maybe it was case sensitive last week the r.i.p yeah i heard that too. some people were having trouble getting in by capitalizing r i and p or something i don't know yeah because i had no trouble maybe yeah i didn't either okay. <laughs> maybe r.i.p is technically supposed to be capitalized i don't know who knows i don't no. know but didn't I they think, were stumped the programmers were stumped they okay. said we have no idea why it's it's causing people to have trouble so All just right. just try it low lower case or uh, yeah do just try a couple of different combinations you can figure it out every two yep I watched one drive. You look great, and I texted you. There you go, well, big boy. I don't know what. I don't think we should be starting on two. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm the sure we'll get plenty. We'll get to two. <laughs> I wanted to start, 
as we tell everybody to make sure that you subscribe and listen. I wanted I wanted to start with a trivia question, a stump the <gasps> band question. Okay. You always give me questions, yeah. or sometimes you give me questions. I'm going to give you a stump oh, the band question. All right. Are you ready? Sports. Sports. Okay. Football. Gotcha. Quarterback football. Oh, boy. Touchdown throwing quarterback football. Dan Marino. No. Okay. Who holds the record? And what is the record? For most touchdown passes in a single season. Steve, cue the music. You probably won't hear this or you won't cue the music. Well, da, I know 48 da, was Marino da, for a while. Oh. Right? He had 54 that year with, well, with, with the, the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. yeah. yeah God, that. that was a great year. Yeah. 5,084 yards. Oh, I'll Think never about forget the, it. the fantasy. If anyone was oh. playing fantasy, the 48 oh. touchdowns. Oh, forget about it. Who think- holds the record for most touchdown passes in a single season? And what is that record? Da, 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 Peyton Manning. Da, 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 da. Is it going to work this week? Da, 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 da. Nice. Okay. I think he had maybe 51, 52. Higher. Higher. Really? 55. I didn't know he destroyed Dan Marino's record by seven. Okay. Woo. Do we have to discuss this? It was a different era. <laughs> it sure was, as a matter of fact. It was fact, a different though. game back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2013, Peyton Manning set the all-time record for 55 touchdown passes in the single season. So now the second question is, maybe the more appropriate stump the band question is, why is Mitch starting episode 115 with this particular question? My hand's raised. Yes. Well, I'm guessing Russell Wilson might be on pace to beat that record or get close. On Sunday, Russell Wilson threw four more touchdown passes. He's got 26 in seven games. I'm just interested, and I'm not going to use the word Eastgate State. I'm just interested. <laughs> How would you oh, go God. about if I – let's assume I, already, I hadn't already done the math for you. How would a guy of your stature – Yeah. <laughs> yep. How would a man of your stature – Yeah. Go about figuring out what 26 touchdown passes is Through a pace seven, yeah. for. How would you do that? Well, you're lucky that I help Piper on a daily basis with these sorts of questions. So yeah. it's, okay. it's, it's, I'm really fresh when okay. it comes to this kind of okay. stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I would uh, divide 26 by 7, and let's see what that number is. Then I would multiply that times 16. Very thank nice. you. Very I, I, nice. I do story problems almost every day at home. Very nice. Yes, thank you very much. I'm a and, genius. And Man- Peyton Manning's 55 touchdowns in 2013. I'll have you know that as of this week through ga- seven games, your buddy Russell Wilson is on pace for 59.42 touchdown passes. When he was drafted. And if DK Metcalf. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if DK Metcalf. Yeah. Wouldn't have waltzed, tried to waltz in, he'd be on a pace for. One more, sixteen. I mean, I, I don't know what the I don't know what the number would be. I guess I'd have to. He'd be on a pace for in the mid sixties, sixty touchdown passes in the mid sixties. Another one through seven, yeah. Now, would you bet? Now that I've told you that he's on a pace to destroy. I mean, fifty four more touchdowns in fifty five is pretty much destroying the record. Yeah. If I told you that he was on pace to destroy it with fifty nine, would you bet even money? If Vegas now offered you, even Steven, no for every $1 that you bet, okay. you get $1 and another dollar back. If you pick yes or no, would you go yes or no when you have the lead right now? You're kind of, on, you're kind of in the lead right yeah, now. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, Seahawks fans aren't going to like this. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say no. I just don't think he can continue this. Yeah, but they probably said it about Dan Marino and Peyton Manning, too. So maybe I'm wrong. But I, I just, pace. Uh, last year, he cooled off a bit. 
you know, guys get older and tired. They get more tired as the season goes on. I just don't think he can. Although DK's played out of his, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think a lot of I'm this. Say no. I think a lot of this depends upon how long are guys like Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde going to be out because they get to about the two or three yard line and they're like, we got to throw it. Marino used, <laughs> by the way, I and I know people used to make fun of me for this. I don't know why they made fun of me because they knew I'm a Marino fan. Yeah. Marino made a career out of play action from the one. Really? And tossing it into to Jim Jensen and Bruce Hardy and tight, you know, cheap, really cheapy, <laughs> cheapy touchdown gotcha. passes that yeah, year. Yeah. He did have a lot of cheapy ones. When and He could have handed it no, to Tony Nathan. No, no, yeah, no disrespect to DJ Dallas and whomever. But it just feels like okay, they get down, they give they give one shot. The running backs when they get to about the two or three, yeah. the running backs get one shot. Unless of course we need a first down against the Cardinals, they get three. Right, <laughs> exactly. And they get one shot to score, and if they don't score their touchdown, then he's going to throw it in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I would bet. I think I'd bet no also. Yeah, okay. Even money no. So I don't think you're by yourself. It's red. He's just red hot. I don't know that anyone can continue that. Yeah. I just I just don't know. Yeah. But it's it's fun to watch yeah. right now. It's it amazing. Uh, the Seahawks breeze by the Niners. We'll talk all about it. By the way, if you're enjoying Unfiltered and you can't listen to all the shows. You know, I have friends that tell me, Mitch, they're so long and I, I just can't listen to all the shows. <laughs> I have a comment And I always that. say to them, don't. Don't worry about listening to all the shows. Listen to just 10 seconds of each show. Right. And that's why I ask from time to time that everybody who likes Unfiltered and wants this to go on indefinitely, to stay healthy, we need the, we need the data, we need the metrics, the metrics really count, and all you've got to do is hit play. Yep. If a week goes by and you go, oh, sh- shit, I didn't, I didn't listen to Mitch Unfiltered this week, just go back on a Saturday. In fact, you can do it six weeks after. Today... Or whatever day you're listening to this, you can go back to episode 47 and click play. We get credit for That's it. That's right. If you haven't already done it. All right. So click play if you don't mind to help us along the way. Also, be, consider becoming a patron. Five bucks a month. We are doing loads and loads yeah. and loads of bonus content. The, pe- uh, content. the people who think that when we send out the episode on Monday morning that we're done until the next Sunday. No. No. I find myself doing a ton of work during the week to get fantasy shows out and no tables out and golf. P shows out and golf <laughs> yeah. shows out. And before you know it, the next Sunday's upon us. So right. we're doing a lot of bonus content for five bucks a month. I think it's worth it, but maybe you will, maybe you won't. We did the Beat the Boys thing. Guests on this episode 115, Brady Henderson, Rick Neuheisel, Steve Phillips, the former baseball GM. I want to get him on on the, the now infamous Kevin Cash decision. We will forever be talking about the yeah. infamous Kevin Cash decision and even involved a Seattle boy, yep. Blake Snell. Yep. Taking Blake Snell out when he was just throwing BBs. Nobody could touch him. And he took him out after five and a third innings. I mean, maybe he'll lend In game some, six of the World Series. Right. Maybe he'll lend some insight. But is there any, has he come out and said, like, this is why? Or? Data. Uh, metrics. Yeah, that's it, huh? Metrics. Ugh. Analytics, baby. Yeah. Major League Baseball analyst Steve Phillips will talk about that. He'll talk about Justin Turner hanging out with COVID on the field. The Dodgers letting him. Baseball letting him. Baseball not happy, Also, he'll tell us whether Kyle Lewis, the Mariners' Kyle Lewis, is going to win the Rookie of the Year when it's awarded in the next week or two. Nice. The Mariners may have the Rookie of the Year. That doesn't happen very often. That's a good question. When did it last happen? My guess would be Ichiro. Uh, I don't think anybody on the Mariners would have won rookie of the year since Ichiro did. Felix? I think, I think, no, that wouldn't be since Ichiro. Wouldn't Felix be before Ichiro? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Ichiro won the MVP and the rookie of the year in the same year. 
But then some people go Rook, rookie. I mean, he played professionally for yeah, five. You yeah, know, so there's always that. asterisk. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, Brady Henderson, Rick Neuheisel, Steve Phillips, a ton of stuff, lots of sports stuff, lots of non-sports stuff, including and, uh, and obviously the Seahawks win over the 49ers and that renewal of a rivalry on episode 115. Thanks are always in order, Hotshot Scott, to the sponsors and partners that make Mitch Unfiltered possible, like the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage, 425-250-3150. Listen, a five to seven minute chat with Jordan Flowers or his team at the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage could save you a ton of money every month on your mortgage. There's a reason this is the hottest time in the mortgage business. The world is restructuring their debt and saving lots of money. Evergreen Golf Call. Start with a free newsletter at evergreengk.com. CEO Tyler Hay is again with us on 115, a one-stop shop that helps grow your family's money, has even acquired a longtime accounting firm so that they can take care of all of their clients' needs. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Zeke's Pizza, dine in at the 17th locations soon to be 20 now three more on the way still limited capacity and all the necessary precautions to keep you safe easier than ever to have zeke's delivered to your door in no time do what we do download the zeke's pizza app and then with a few clicks bam the northwest best selection of craft beer and northwest style pizza is at your door homegrown in the northwest and daniel's broiler more and more people are returning to our favorite steakhouse to celebrate their special occasions the south lake union location is now offering a 40 dollar bottle of vuv clico champagne just like leshai it's regularly 145 but to celebrate their 40th birthday daniels has this awesome awesome opportunity pick up delivery or safely dine in with daniels broiler a world-class steakhouse this is episode 115 the seahawks are the number one seed in the nfc as of today and it begins right now unfiltered it seems like there are there are more connections in sports to seattle and the northwest and the state of washington than you would think there's 50 states out there there's the rest of the world it it, it strikes me either unless we're just fine-tuned to it that every time something happens involving somebody it feels like there's a lot of connections somebody always has a connection there's always a connection to seattle unfiltered you can go get all these players you want, but the big elephant remains what's going on on the sidelines coaching this defense. And I'm not just pointing at Ken Norton, the defensive corner. I'd be happy to talk to you all day long about Ken Norton now. He should have been replaced at the end of last season. Yeah. And that because of Pete Carroll's loyalty, which may be his, his worst flaw as a coach, maybe we should all have that as our worst flaw, because of his loyalty... He remained the defensive coordinator. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 115 now officially underway, Hotshots. I know it's annoying when people say, you've been to casinos with people who go, oh, I was totally going to bet that. Yeah. That's annoying as hell. I've got names, but they are people that I used to work with that yeah. I, I suppose I probably shouldn't do that. Everyone's an expert after the games happen, oh right? God. Oh, I mean, if I was I betting. changed my mind when I was standing at the teller. I tried. I, I was really going to do that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I have one for you. Oh, you're going to do this? That being said. You're that guy? 
You're going to be of. that guy? So I was messing around. You with just said you're done with gambling. You're done with fantasy. You're done with picking football well, games. I like to look at odds occasionally and maybe, you know, just yeah. see what you can get for stuff. Yeah. Plus, I'm on a thread with 10 other guys. So my idea was everyone throws in 100 bucks and we'll all bet this together. I wanted to do a three-bet parlay, okay? A Seahawks win. Wait a second. This week? Yeah. The game that just happened. Yeah. I wanted to do a Seahawks win. Yeah. Plus the over. That didn't look very good, by the way, until our old Seahawks defense I don't showed discuss up. It. I had the I had the final score score nailed on the note table, and then they scored like two late touchdowns, yeah. and I lost. Oh, I did lost you really? I lost the KP. But go ahead. Yeah, you want to do the Seahawks, Seahawks win, the over, and the over. Yeah, and then Biden to win the presidency. He's yeah. like clearly the favorite online, yeah. right? Yeah. I, gotta, didn't, I, I didn't make the odds. Everyone, you, you got to give odds on that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So three team parlay. I hit yeah. the first two. Which I didn't you wanted bet. eight, but you wanted eight other people to go in with you. Well, yeah, the, it would be fun. Who are these people? This pe- high school friends. I'm on a thread with them. There's eleven of yeah. us. Did you ask? Yeah, but did you send out the text? People couldn't get it together. Who's going to make the bet? One guy's where in you, Reno. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to bet it? That, that's a great question. We're yeah. in Washington State. Yeah, but one guy was in Reno. But does he want to front the money? I, you know, it's always a it's always a thing. So we didn't we didn't bet it. All right, we we hit the first two of our hypothetical bet. Stop it! Don't even get me oh, going. Oh God! It's a, it's a fairly significant week, and I, and I don't get me going. All right, well. I know paid. you're trying to rope me in. I'm not going to do no, it. No. I'm not falling for the trick. 100 would have paid 582. That's a nice little payoff for a three. You know, three. But here's the. Really? Uh, yeah, 100 bucks. What's the odds, though? Yeah, with the odds. Yeah. 100 pays 582. But I found out from a friend who has an account somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that an account somewhere. You're not allowed to parlay sports bets and political oh. bets. So we couldn't do it anyway. There you go. That's the moral, moral to my story. The but moral to the story is you couldn't make the bet anyway. I couldn't make the bet anyway. Yeah. But I, of course, right? The one I don't... Yeah. Everyone has those stories. I, I didn't bet it and we hit the... That over was kind of scary for a while though. Yeah, That didn't look You good. know what I would have bet if I had given a chance? If given a chance, I was going to bet today or on Sunday, I was going to bet that Tua, in his first ever game, would throw for less than 100 yards, do absolutely nothing, and the Seahaw- and the, the Dolphins were going to blow out the Rams. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Week eight of the NFL, you had the Tua time. We'll come back to that. The Packers. So the Seahawks get help from not only the Dolphins. By the way, two weeks ago, the Dolphins beat the 49ers by a million in San Francisco. That's right, yeah. Then turn around this last week, and beat the Rams by 17 or whatever, 11, 17, whatever it was, yeah. in Miami. And now this coming week, face the Arizona Cardinals. So the Seahawks have a chance, so the Dolphins have a chance to, in one year, lose to the Seahawks to help the Seahawks out, and then beat the other three teams in the best division in football. Everybody says the NFC yeah, West sure. is by far and away the best division in football. So if the Dolphins win again, I promise I'll stay off Florida man or Florida woman for a week. I I'll be their presence. I think if the Dolphins win again, they should win the NFC West. <laughs> That's true. They'd be three and one. <laughs> That's true. That's a pretty good record in so that the, conference. So the Seahawks get help from the Dolphins. They get help from the Vi- the Vikings oh, with one win. I know. Go to Green Bay. Green Bay going into the week, Mr. Playoffs, Mr. Postseason. The number one seed in the NFC, which means we have a new number one yes, seed. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. They went into the they went into the week like five and one, the number one seed in the NFL, and they lose at home to the Vikings. Dalvin Cook goes for four touchdowns. Yeah, imagine. I was thinking if if there was a Taco Time deal in Minnesota. Oh, just imagine. Buy four, get <laughs> yeah. four free. That's all I can think about when now, I saw four. Rushing you've asked touchdowns. me if I could eat four for lunch. <laughs> yeah, and I've proven that. Yeah, yeah. 
Could I eat eight for lunch? I think if you had to. <laughs> I mean, of course, if you had to, but you probably wouldn't be feeling great. It's a lot of food. So let me, as I go through the storylines, <laughs> let me ask you this. Okay. Who are we rooting for this coming Sunday? The 49ers or the Packers? I, I don't think it's going to matter. I'm copping out. I mean, I think the Packers are going to get them. I mean, oh, okay, but who are we rooting for? Yeah. Who are Seahawk fan? Who do Seahawk fans want to win this game? I guess you got to root for the Niners. Their record's not very good, right? Four and four. Yeah, yeah. Are they dead? I think so. The Niners are dead halfway I mean, through the season. How can anyone withstand? They who just they lost? almost won the Super Bowl. They almost they just went to the Super Bowl yeah. like six weeks ago. Oh, well, the Eagles won it like two years ago or three years. I mean, it's hard to stay good. It's really hard in the NFL. But that quarterback is not very good, is he? No. I mean, look at what the backup did when he came in. Well, that's not. That's okay. that's, that's the defense budget. might be a little you better. You played but. the game long enough to know yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. Come on. No, I, I don't. It's funny. On the message boards, because uh, I love reading the Niner message boards, yeah. you should have seen how much talk there was about about a quarterback that they wanted to get in the offseason, who their owner apparently Tom talk, Tom Brady. You they wouldn't believe Tom, Tom Brady. the Tom Brady talk on sure. the 49ers well, he's website. he's from there, too, I think. Yeah, he's a Bay Area guy. Yeah. Oh, God. If we had Tom Brady, we'd be in the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> is know. just not very good, is he? Now, the one thing I will say, he doesn't have many weapons. He didn't have his running backs. He, I mean, his look at his wide receivers. I said this on the note table, and they kind of laughed at me. They've got no wide receivers. Their best receiver is Debo Samuels. Now, I know they have an all-world tight end. Where was he on Sunday? He caught one ball and couldn't, and then went and then to the he tent. caught another, and then he caught another, yeah, and then he went to the tent, yeah. whatever. Uh, he's not good. Jimmy Garoppolo is not very good. Yeah. He doesn't handle pressure very well. He doesn't make, doesn't process things very well. How did he take him? I guess maybe he didn't take him to the Super Bowl. Maybe that defense. That took defense him. was really good, and they were healthy. They stayed healthy last year. Bad news for you. I was, I had the bubbly on ice. I was going to be feeding you champagne. Oh. To, as we record this this evening, okay. But the Steelers, won. I always I always celebrate the last undefeated team losing for the first time, so that the seventy two Dolphins, you know, record the is, can is continue. continues, yeah, yeah. and they all drink. So I, I I've always drank and yeah. had everybody around me drink at the old radio station. But the Pittsburgh Steelers killed me that game. Eighty two year old Roethlisberger throwing touchdowns. Yeah, but he Go only away. threw for like a I don't know. I don't did he throw for two hundred yards? I don't think he threw for two hundred yards, but they're good defensively. They took the ball away from the Ravens a couple of times, and they are the only undefeated team in the NFL seven and zero. Now, I'll give you the same fifty fifty wager. I just gave you a fifty fifty wager on Russell Wilson. You say I'll pass even though I'm staked to a lead. So I'm gonna stake you to another league. I'm going to give you the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. And you've got a game or two lead on everybody, and in certain cases, three-game lead on everybody. You get 50-50 on your money right now. Because I have an addictive personality. 50-50 on your money. You said no to Russell (laughs) Wilson. Would you say yes on, on the Pittsburgh Steelers going to the Super Bowl? I'm trying to bet with my head and not my heart. I don't want to root for them all year long if I have a bet with them. I think they might go. I mean, they're, they look Would good. Would you bet yes at 50-50? Yeah, I, at 50-50, they're already, I mean, clearly they're a good team. Would you bet yes on yeah, 50-50? I'm taking Ask it. me if I would. Would you bet? Not a chance in hell. Really? The Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Again, I, don't, huh? I don't give a rat's ass how many games Ben Roethlisberger has won. <laughs> There's no way the Steelers are going to be there and the Chiefs are going to be sitting at home. No way. I'll probably be wrong. But, <laughs> I'm just telling you, I wouldn't bet it. I wouldn't bet for you. You'd have to give me odds still on the Steelers. Wow. 
I would, in fact, I would bet no. I would, if it was offered on the board and you could either bet it yes, bet it no, or not bet it at all, yeah. I'd still bet, I'd bet no. I'll, I'll take 50-50 on my money. I get the rest of the teams in the AFC. I get everybody in the AFC, and the house gets the Steelers. I'll bet 50 You're getting handed an undefeated team through eight weeks, and you still not taking can't it. do it, huh? Because the Chiefs only lost one, Yeah, and they're really good. Who they lose to? I can't remember. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. They lose to the Ravens? No, they went somewhere east and they lost. Okay. I think it may have been the Ravens. Maybe. I can't remember. All right. I think it may have been the Ravens. You still like the, and the Chiefs, by the way, are proving me wrong about saying it's hard to be good every year. They're really good. They're really good again, right? Well, they got a quarterback who's pretty good. That helps, yes. Yeah, he's, he's really good. And, and before we get off of the Ravens, how about the story of the left tackle? Do you know the story of the left tackle? No. This guy, Ronnie Stanley, who's like one of, if not the best left oh. tackles in the NFL, signs a $100 million extension Two days before the game against the Steelers, and in the game against the Steelers, blows out his ankles, done for the year. Saw that. I saw them taking a guy off on a cart, and yeah, he, he seemed to have pretty high spirits, though, which was nice. He well, was clapping, and yeah, that's a bummer, man. That's a big guy, six six three fifteen. That's a big loss for them. Other stuff in the world of sports: Trevor Lawrence, COVID positive, didn't play in Clemson's come from behind victory against Boston College. Not going to play this coming Saturday against Notre Dame. We'll talk to New Heisel about that. Um, and guess guess what? Huh. Pac-12 football. That's right, yes. Pac-12 football's here. Your doggies. Yep. Your doggies, Saturday night at 7.30, the debut of the Washington Husky. And we still don't know, as of the recording of this show, we still don't know who the starting quarterback is for the University of Washington. Still don't. Jimmy Lake says he's going to take it right to game time and not tell anybody. I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to do that. All the way to game time. And then... Four guys are going to be on the sidelines. They're all going to kind of start to run into the game. Like, well, the real so-and-so gives what, – what was it? What, what, yeah, what, what, this is your life, was it? Yeah, this is – well, the real Mitch Levy, please stand up, and all of them kind of get up, get yeah, down, yeah. And go up, yeah, get yeah, down. Yeah. So four quarterbacks, when they get on offense for the first time, they're all going to take a step onto the field. Oh. One is going to, And then one's going to go in. So you think he probably has – he has it in his head who was going to start. Oh, he knows. Yeah, he knows, yeah. He knows. But the players probably I think it's know gonna too. Be, I, I think it's supposed to be Kevin Thompson, who's a graduate transfer from Sacramento State, a fifth-year, kind of a fifth-year okay. senior. So I think he's supposed to be. But he's, he says he's not He's not going to announce it until game time against Cal. 7.30, Tai members are already complaining. 7.30 <laughs> p.m. in Cal, in Berkeley, on Saturday night. I'm kind excited. of a pick-em game, pick-em yeah, game. I'm ready. Pac-12 debuts. It took till November for us to get Pac-12 football. Yeah. And then there are the Seahawks. 37-27 winners over the San Francisco 49ers. Did it feel like the intense rivalry game that the 49ers-Seahawks game? Remember when we were at Daniels last last year for oh, one yeah, of the sure. games, overtime games there Marshawn on had a Monday touchdown. night? Marshawn. Oh, was that, was that in, on Monday night there? I don't know that he was on the team there. Well, we were at Daniels watching them against the Niners, and, and Marshawn, Marshawn had Lynch a scored, yes. That's the game that went to overtime. Then they came here, and it was they, the, the Seahawks, I think it was um, the tight end. Which tight end was it? One of the tight ends had the ball at the one-yard line for the Seahawks and the last yeah. play of the game was like inches away. Both games were great. Yeah. yeah. Did it feel like that on Sunday? Did this game feel that way? Was it the lack of fans? Was it the lack of all the stars missing the game? You realize the Seahawks, and I know, the, the by the way, the Niners, everybody keeps talking about how the Seahawks were hurt and ravaged by injuries. Pete Carroll after the game, we just had to survive in advance and whatever. 49ers have tons and tons of injuries. They're missing like their best five defensive players, yeah, right? And two crushed. running backs and whatever. But the Seahawks played on Sunday without Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, Mike Yapati, Jamal Adams, Shaq Griffin, Benson Mayoa, Ugo Amati, 
Uh, Leno Hill. Yeah. Uh, Dunlap hasn't played yet from the trade. Snacks hasn't played yet. So no Carson Hyde, Upati, Adams, Griffin, Mayoa, Amadi, Hill, Dunlap. Sna- All of those guys did not play on Sunday. Yeah, no, I know. It, it, by the way, I guess we know who the weak links were in the defense. We got rid of four studs, and all of a sudden they play well. We got rid of Shaq, and you know Jamal Adams isn't in there, and all these I guys. I don't think are... Jamal should be able to start when he comes back. <laughs> he's got to earn his spot, huh? <laughs> I think they should deactivate him yeah. once he's healthy. The Seahawks find a way to win. God, it didn't get out to a very good start. How did it feel right at the beginning oh. with their first two or three offensive possessions? Dud. Did it feel like they were just going to get smoked by the 49ers? Yeah. It was a 0-0 game, and every Seahawks fan in the Northwest was like, they're going to get smoked. Like two, two possessions into the game, it felt like they were going to get killed. I think it took a Nick Ballore catch for a first down yes! to turn the offense See, around. See, I love you. I love you for that because I'm a huge believer in circle a play that no one remembers. Yeah, yeah. That may have had a bigger significance than we actually remember at the time. Yes. That, that felt big to me. Yes, yeah. he dumped it off, and he, he he had no business getting that first down. No, he, he didn't. He was way short of the first down, and he put his head forward, got the first down, and then I think he crawled across the turf and gave the first down yeah. <laughs> the first down thing. The Nick Ballore era underway in Seattle, and I think he might have recovered that. He might have recovered the punt by Dante Pettis, I think, too. I did. Yeah, he did. I think it was he him. Yeah. Somebody knocked it out. Yes, yeah. but that play st- stands yeah. out to me. Or, or if you really want to give credit where credit is due, you're saying that the Ballore thing kind of jolted them into the reality, which I'm, I'm right with you on that. Or you could say that while they were struggling to get even a first down, yeah. those first few possessions, and they were always at the one-yard line, they're running on third down, oh. the defense was holding its own. Yeah, it was, yeah. The defense was holding the – you know, the 49ers could have been up 14 10-0, 17-0. Those first couple of possessions, they had the field position. They had everything kind of going their own way. And and I know they got a first down or two, but the Seahawks' defense, without all those guys early in the game, kind of held the Niners at bay until the alarm clock went off for the offense. So maybe we give credit where credit is due to that – to that much maligned defense. I thought about you, though, because you've been telling me this defense does have a knack for turnovers. It does. Well, and they should statistically have had, speaking. Yes, and they should have had two. They got one. It was uh, it was an interception uh, early on. Was, yeah, um, yeah, 29. Yeah, uh, Earl yeah. Thomas. Yeah, that's what I thought when <laughs> I saw Earl Thomas. He's short, too. The 49ers guy. Reed, the guy who came over from the 49ers <laughs> and is playing, uh, jumped jumped across and made a, an interception. DJ Reed, right. He uh, had, yeah, but then and then there was a fumble earlier where they almost got to it, but it went out of bounds. Yeah. So I, I was thinking of the tail of the tape where these, this D does create turnovers once in a while. But in this case, the defense was just flat out, you know, look, <laughs> I, I, how... How 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 far de- how deep do you want to go into giving the credit to the defense versus talking about how limited the opposing team's offense? Sure. Is? I, yes, I know what you're saying. Okay, but did they look more inspired? They did. Did they look like they were flying well, around and hitting a little yes, more? Okay. Because it also looked like they were more exotic. They were willing to take more risks. That they were blitzing one or two guys. They were coming from different angles. It seemed like you know my big gripe last week on all the shows that we did on Mitch Unfiltered was they didn't want they didn't throw shit up against the wall they didn't didn't try anything new they didn't try anything now all of this is related so this is all complicated and they're interwoven the argument can be made that they did all that stuff that we're talking about that we wish they would have done in previous weeks they did that because they didn't feel like the passing game of the 49ers when you consider their wide receivers their quarterback and just their pass game in general they didn't probably feel like they could beat us. 
and that we could blitz without too many ramifications. And if we get if we get picked up, our guys will do an okay job against that group. You know, they didn't have a wide receiver. Now, Kittle's great, but they didn't have a wide receiver entering Sunday's game. Think about this. Because Debo Samuel is their best receiver, and he yeah. was out. They didn't have a wide receiver play in Sunday's game that had more than 20 catches on the season. Wow. Now, think about that for a second. When I tell you that Tyler Lockett had 15 the week before. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tyler Lockett in one game the week before had 15. The 49ers did not have one wide receiver with more than 20 on the season. That's crazy. So they were so limited. They were so limited that maybe Ken Norton. I feel like I'm taking credit. I don't want to take credit away from Ken Norton because he's been embattled and I've been the guy that's been kind of leading the, the cavalry to get rid of him and they stink and it's their fault yeah. and it's the coach and Carol. So I don't really want to take credit away from him. <laughs> But the truth is, is if we're really if we're really analyzing this in in whole, that both have to be brought up. A, his defensive game plan was much better. It was more exotic. Yep. It was more running around. It was more impactful. Like the quarterback pressures, like the blitzes. Yes, the players played much better. Yes, but I think a lot of it was because they felt like they didn't have a very dangerous prey. I mean, if you're attacking something that's not going to hurt you. Yeah, a wounded gazelle. You're more willing to go balls to the wall, right? But I will say this. Put your hand over how limited I think the 49ers offense is. Just put your hand over it. I'll give you another trivia question. I'm ready. You got the first one, right? Peyton Manning, pretty close, right? Tell me how many total yards the, the San Francisco 49ers had. In the first three quarters of the game Sunday against the Seahawks. And then tell me how many total yards the San Francisco 49ers had in the fourth quarter against the Seattle Seahawks. Just take a shot. They had 54 in the first quarter, but then they started moving it a little more. So I'm going to say three quarters, 200 yards offense. Three quarters, 200 yards offense. And and in the fourth quarter alone by itself? uh, 150? Okay. One. 117 yards in three quarters. Wow, it's really I'm going to repeat that. Yeah. Remember who we're talking about here. I need to, <laughs> I, 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 I need to remind you about something You're from right. tail to tape. <laughs> Remember who we're talking about we here. Need to rem- <laughs> this is a team that was giving up 480 yards per game, the worst in NFL history, and not only dead last in the NFL, but... How far behind second to last in the NFL on tail of the tape? Uh, 53 yards per game behind 31st in the league. This is this is like this is like unbelievable. Yeah. That defense gave up 117 yards in three quarters without Adams, Mayoa, Shaq, Shaq yeah. and all the rest. Yep. So no matter who was on the other side, you gotta give the Seahawks defense. Some real, you know, pats on the back. I agree. You got to. Yeah. Now, in the fourth quarter, they had 239 yards. Okay. The 49ers. It felt like a lot. Yeah, but it was so preventy. It was the game was over. It's 30 to seven. They're rushing four every time. And 30 but, sometimes three. 30 to seven. The game was over. You're going to give up these cheap yards. And but the game, the game was won in the first three quarters by the defense. And by the way, let me just say this: not only did they only give up 117 yards in the first three quarters. But in they had eight possessions. The 49ers had eight possessions. Okay. 
And here's what they did with the ball in their eight possessions from quarters one to qu- to the end of quarter three. Okay. Okay? Punt, interception, touchdown. Punt, end of half, punt, fumble, punt. Now, <sighs> you do that, <laughs> now we're talking Super Bowl. Right. Now we're talking... If the Seahawks could do some version of that in the first eight possessions moving forward against the Bills this week, against the the Rams and the Cardinals in the upcoming games against the NFC West, now we're talking, but again, how much of it had to do with who they were playing? Yeah, it's a tough one because they looked different to me. Bobby Wagner looked possessed to me. Mm-hmm. He looked like he is sick of hearing about the worst defense in the history of the NFL. Yes. He looked like I've had and enough I of that. I wrote him off. I didn't. I asked the guys on the no table, how many steps has he lost? Yeah. Because to me, and this is a, the, the worst week to be talking about this, <laughs> Bobby Wagner does not look like the old Bobby well, Wagner. Of course now not. We, yeah. can, we can argue that and we can debate that and maybe that makes me a terrible, terrible guy and a terrible Seahawks fan because yeah. I know that fans get very upset with that. But I brought it up in the no table. How, and they both called him, Henderson and Fan both called him still great. And either he heard me <laughs> yeah. or he didn't hear me. And it just was really bad timing on my behalf because I think that the official scorekeeper might have been high or drunk because he's only <laughs> been credited with 11 total tackles. Now, you're telling me that, Bobby, you watched the game on Sunday before you knew that he had 11 tackles. How many tackles would you guess that he was in on? Yeah, 15 or something. He was 20. All over the field, I mean, yeah. he was all over the field. Yeah. yeah hitting the quarterback, yeah. blitzing him. Yeah, he, he was not happy after the Arizona game. I saw some no. comments where he no. just, he'd had enough. He basically said they had like a, a tell the truth Monday yeah. with everyone. It's like, we got it enough. We're not the worst defense of all time. Yeah. So to answer your question, I think if they were playing maybe Arizona on Sunday, I think the defense would have been, been better. better. Yeah, it would have been better. But again, you know, you got to factor in who they're playing. And the, the offense is pretty brutal for well, San Francisco. If it would have been better, and now you add all of those defensive guys back. Yeah. The Shaq Griffins and the Jamal Adams and all those guys. Amadi and yeah, yeah, and then the uh, Bengals guy. I'm drinking the Kool Aid. Here <laughs> I go. <laughs> well, but I was thinking of you during the game because you were. Yeah, you I didn't case. call. Well, no, I didn't call. <laughs> I'm a little antisocial, but yeah, you know, you basically you've been saying on the podcast for a long time if they could just be the 25th Super Bowl cont- that's right. Super Bowl front runners in the NFC right. at 25th. 25th. Yeah. Right. They're, at this time, like if you ask me right now who I think the Super Bowl cont- the Super Bowl front runners in the NFC are, now we're, we're recording this on a Sunday and they play on Monday night, so you can't hold me to Monday night's game. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC. Okay. I think they're the most complete, most well-rounded. I think they've proven it. I think they're better than the Packers. I think because of their defense, they're better than the Seahawks overall. I think if you were going to put money on any team in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl – at this moment, I would make it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, offer me the Seahawks offense with a defense that improves to 24th or 25th best as opposed to 32nd best, yeah. and I'll change my mind. That's I will literally, that's all it would take. I'll change my mind. 25th. 25th. <laughs> that's amazing. 25th. You said earlier you don't want to take credit away from Ken Norton. I thought it was kind of funny on Twitter. People were giving credit to Dan Quinn for some reason, even though he's like, there's no real, no, there's not any confirmation that Dan Quinn's part of the team, but everyone was like, oh, you can tell Dan Quinn's back. Dan Quinn must be calling him. Or <laughs> I, I didn't even know this. Yeah, yeah. So he, didn't, even he can't even get the credit for the one good game he has. Uh, a couple <laughs> final notes before we go to the three guests and then we come back for the other stuff segment on the Seahawks 37-27 win. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, DK Metcalf. Can we talk about him? For just a minute or two. Kalen Zacharias Metcalf. I don't know. Is that, is that what his name is? Yes. Let's talk about him. 
12 catches, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. Now has 36 catches for 680 and seven touchdowns this season. Is on a pace for 82 catches, 1554, and 16 touchdowns. And this is what I said on Twitter. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter. Follow you on That's Twitter. That's right. Uh, I'm, I'm Mitch. Oh, boy. Underscore Seattle. Correct. That's underscore, which yeah. is the little underlying thing. It's not the not the overscore. It's not the hyphen. No, no, no not the hyphen either. And you're uh, at Scott Soden, at Scott which Soden. I'm glad I have now. Here's what I said. The biggest honor that you can get outside of MVP, the biggest honor that you can get in the NFL is not being a pro bowler as an individual. The biggest honor individually that you can get in the NFL for your performance mm-hmm. is all pro. Sure. The reason for the people who don't know is Pro bowlers, there's a lot of them, and there's a lot of them for each conference. Mm -hmm. There's one all-pro team, one first-team quarterback in both conferences, in all of the sport. Like two or three running backs, two or three three wide receivers, a tight end. Like literally to be first-team all-pro, you've got to be the very, very best in the league at your position. So I looked back to 2019 to refresh my memory as to how many guys, how many receivers get named Mm -hmm. to the first-team all-pro. All pro. Okay. And the answer is three. Okay. How so is it two? I didn't well, know. Well, because it's three. The, the, this day and age, wide receiver offenses go yeah. to three wide receivers. So three wide receivers make first team all pro. Okay. And then another three make sec- second team all pro. I'm thinking about this. Now, if you said to me, and I watch, you see the screens. I watch a lot of I watch a lot of football every week. I watch a lot of football. <laughs> sure do. More than anybody you know. And to me, there's been one wide receiver that has stood out as the best, and then a whole bunch of others that are all in the mix. And the one guy who stood out as the best so far, just through seven games, is DeAndre Hopkins of the Cardinals. Uh, he okay. catches like eight or nine balls a game. He doesn't have a game where he catches two or three. I saw that he's got sideline tons of touchdown I mean, catch he's, cra- he's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he, he, to me, has separated himself with Kyler Murray as, right now, through seven games— the number one wide receiver in the league. But there's got to be two others that make the all-pro first team. Yeah. I think I think he's I think he's one of them. I think DK Metcalf is a first Jeez. team right now could be a first team all-pro wide receiver. Not a pro bowler. He's a, definitely a pro bowler. Right. I'm talking first team all-pro. I'm talking Walter Jones in his prime at, right. at offensive tackle. He's always an all-pro, right? Yep. Think right. about yeah, that. That's amazing. Crazy. DK Metcalf. Nobody wanted him. He was a workout freak. Yeah. He only caught twenty something passes his senior year or his last year at Ole Miss. Can't run he routes. Can't run routes. Yeah. Nobody. I don't know that I wanted him. I'm not, a, and I'm not. I'm not jumping on some sort of bandwagon like I always wanted. The guy in like one and a half year was he a rookie last year? Rookie in 2019. Yeah. He's a first team All Pro. <laughs> so, well, yes, he is for now. But no, no, not even that. But and he's not, on a pace for 16 touchdowns and 1,554 yards. And it should be. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. I know. I, I kind of hope he has a bonus for touchdowns and he misses it by one. I kind of hope for his a penance for doing that. But, oh, but let's not forget who's throwing to him. He, can, he should be thanking his lucky stars every night when he goes to bed that he has Russell Wilson throwing to him. Yes, he's good. But having that guy, no I mean, question. great example. I mean, he's no Tua, but yeah. Right. But a great example is Dante Pettis for the Niners. They're ready to cut him, the fans. They can't stand Dante Pettis. But you're only as good as your quarterback. Yeah, but Dante right? Pettis, does, it, does he even play offensively? Well, I, I think who he's knows? on special teams He, he now, was yeah. good like the first year. He yeah, had some, he's, a, he's had some good moments. But, yeah. but Jimmy G's you not Russell Wilson. No, he's not. He's not. So Thank DK, God. he linked up with this guy? God. Thank your lucky stars every night you have him thrown to you. It could be a lot worse. And, you're gonna, <laughs> and you potentially could have him thrown to you for the next 10 years? Right, exactly. Hall of Fame. With this, yes. Well, 
with these sorts of numbers. I keep thinking about Megatron. Remember Megatron? Sure. He left kind of early, didn't he, though? Yeah, Eight or nine I years. just keep thinking about what he looked like, big and fast. And what D- about DK is Megatron 2.0. What about T.O.? A little bit. Because I, th- I think T.O. might be faster down the field than Megatron. I think of Megatron as being just bigger. You yeah. Know, DK just Metcalf is so just physical. this huge guy. Maybe he's the combination of both. Yeah, if they, if they had a Maybe kid, he's, <laughs> it would be DK Metcalf. Which is un- <laughs> are we really talking about this? Right, right. It's unbelievable. Did you love the way that... First team all pro as of today, That's... I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, he might not be, but it's close. The only guy I know would be would, Hop, would be Hopkins, and I don't know who the other two would be. His stats are pretty gaudy so far. Well, the stats are great, but there's other guys with better stats. I mean, maybe maybe not the combination of the stats, like the 16, like the, the pace for all these touchdowns, and he's he's the league leader in average yards per catch, which is, which is a big thing. He was over 20 going into Sunday's game. It's come down under 20 because he had so many catches and it for a lesser average, but it's just crazy. And then the other two, two last things, um, Taco on Tuesday. Yes. Taco on Tuesday because late in the game after Russell had thrown his four touchdowns, Somebody had a little mercy on our stomachs. Yes, they did. For Taco Time Northwest, DJ Dallas scored two touchdowns. He caught one, but he ran one in. He sure did. Which means buy one, get one free at all Taco Time Northwest locations, but you have to buy it on the app. Have you downloaded the app? I have, yes. Okay, you download the app. You buy your tacos on the app. You can also order ahead. You don't even have to go through drive-thru if you don't want. It's great. You can order it ahead on the app, whatever. But Tuesday, meet me. I'm not telling you which one. Meet me. At Taco Time Northwest, I go every Tuesday, and we're going to buy one, get one free thanks to DJ Dallas's touchdown. And then I've saved the best for last, 6-1. and one. We'll do a full Mr. Postseason on episode. What it will be, 115? I guess it won't be 115p. Our separate, we now do a separate patron That's episode right. with Mr. Postseason. and Taylor getting and too long and Too long and too drawn out, and yeah. Him. So we do our own Mr. Postseason. So we'll do the whole, we'll, the, the whole kind of smorgasbord. Uh, on on Wednesday or Thursday, but just know as of right now, the Seahawks are your number one seed in the NFC. And if the season ended today, which it doesn't, and yep. it's stupid to even talk about, your Seattle Seahawks would be the number one seed and would have the only buy. And don't forget, there's only one number one, one seed. Buy. Well, there's always been only one. Well, I mean, one, one buy. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one buy. Only, only one, one team buy. gets a buy. Only one yeah. team. So they would be guaranteed of not having to play the first week, and also guaranteed of playing home in every playoff game that they play until the Super Bowl. Now, that doesn't mean they'll be home fans, but it would have, I heard somebody say, wouldn't it be Wouldn't it be great that the one year they're the number one seed, no fans can go, well, there's another perk. They don't have to get on planes and go across the yeah. country. Yeah, and it's, still, it's still better. It's you still would better. rather have that. Much yes. better. Right. Much better. Maybe not as good, but much better. And who knows by that? Well, probably not. I was going to say by then maybe we'll have fans, but I don't think so. I had to chuckle at the uh, false start penalty on San Francisco with no fans in there. Like, the fans from their home are still causing teams to have false starts in that stadium. How is it possible you have a false start? You know the count. It just made me laugh. Seahawks fans are still well, getting some guys don't have no. I mean, you never got a false start in, in high school. Uh, I don't think I did. I mean, other nobody guys on did. your team. Yeah, guys. The one time we go on, forget two, the snap count. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, but if you don't know it, just look at the ball. It's you know. Anyway, it's always because of the noise. So it made me laugh. Real quick, I know you want to you want to move on. Yeah. DJ Dallas. Yep. I'm a fan. And yeah. I've been saying that for a while that I'd rather see him get carries over Travis Homer. I think there's something there. I I I, I wasn't impressed. That's what someone on Twitter said to me too. He said he looks to like me, a good backup. To, to, oh, what are you asking? What exactly are you asking? I, I want to make should, sure I answer the right question. I want him to get 
to get reps over Travis Homer. He's at maybe, least the third maybe, best. Maybe. I think but, there's but, something there. I'm telling you. I, I, I didn't see a very dynamic running back. Hmm. I didn't see a guy who breaks any tackles. He seems to go down on the first contact. Um, I, I don't want to rain on his sure. parade. Yeah, no, he was no, fine. No. I mean, he was, he was fine. They won with him. It was a tough spot for him. He's a rookie. And, uh, you know, there's the picking up of the blitzes, which he's got to learn how to do a little bit. And knowing when he's getting the ball. If you're asking me whether I was impressed with his running style yep. or I need to see more. Okay. I, he didn't, it didn't ring for me. His style didn't ring for me. I thought he was fast enough to get the corner, which I like. He seems strong enough to not get to arm tackles don't affect him. I need he, to see more. He did get solo incomplete. tackled a couple I'll times. I'll give you an incomplete as okay. a grade. All right. What else do you have on you? you have anything else on your list that I did not mention that you wanted to talk about or you wanted me to talk about before we go to the three interviews and the other stuff segment? I'll let you have the floor in the other stuff segment. I was just impressed with DJ Reed. This guy was on the practice squad. Played well. Got beat a few times. I know he made some plays. Yeah. 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 I'd like him not to play next week very much. Sure. I'd like for Umadi to uh, Amadi to be back. I'd like for I'd like for Shaq to be back. I'd like to see Shaq and and Dunbar as the starting two corners. I'd like to see Jamal Adams and Diggs as the starting two safeties. That'd be nice. Yeah, I'd be I'd nice. I'd like to see Amadi as the starting nickel. Maybe you tell me Reed is better than Amadi. I'm not sure that Who knows? I, I, yeah. I buy that, but yeah. I Reed, love the effort. He was though. he was fine in a pinch. Yep. As was Dallas. I think I'll have the, I have the same kind of feeling about both those guys. Okay. They were fine in a pinch. I'd like to not have to depend on him next week in Buffalo. Fair enough. Oh, by the way, next week in Buffalo. I did want to mention next week in Buffalo okay. before we finish up. The same, did you have anything else? No, I just wanted to talk about that, that DK run, uh, that, that, that catch and run for the touchdown. Beautiful, wasn't it? I, I, mean, uh, I felt like San Francisco kind of gave oh. up on that play. Well, it's funny you say that because I ha- kind of had the same thought. I, or or they, maybe they just don't recognize his speed because yeah. who's that? Uh, Dre Greenlaw? Yeah. He's a pretty good linebacker. Yeah. He, remember, he had the pick against Russell. Yeah. He, he just took the worst angle, and maybe they just hadn't seen him and they didn't realize Almost the like speed. Almost like they thought he was just going to run out of bounds. It, exactly right. And yeah. then boom, boom, he cut the corner, <laughs> and it was over. Took, and even Chris Myers couldn't believe he scored. I think Chris Myers thought he was going to get hit out of bounds too, and then he's t- – Amazing athlete. I know we already did DK, but I just I had to bring that play up. God, that was He's so like amazing. an aircraft carrier. Yeah, he is. He's like just huge, just Someone incredible. tried to blow so him up. So great to have him on your team. It sure the is. The team that you root for. Someone tried to blow him up, and he just stood there, and the guy bounced off him. I love it. The Bills, by the way, are the next opponent. The Bills are – the Seahawks are favored in that game in Buffalo at okay. 10 a.m. They are favored. The Bills are not playing great football, but they're winning. They won on Sunday against the Patriots when Cam Newton fumbled late. The Patriots were going down for either the tying score or the winning score. Then Cam Newton fumbled, and the Bills won. The quarterback, Josh Allen, who three weeks ago was being listed as an MVP candidate. That's how good he was, Josh Allen. Yeah. Is now slowed down. On Sunday, he was 11 and 19 for 154 yards. So you worry. We always worry as a Seattle Seahawks fan about the other team's pass game. Yeah, their pass game has not been very dynamic the last couple of weeks. Now the guy from Stephon Diggs from uh, from Minnesota, the guy used to be on the Vikings last year. Yeah, yeah. He's their best receiver. But the Bills look a lot more beatable to my eye. They they look. This is a good time to catch the Bills, is what I'm trying okay. to say. Didn't they come My out long, 4-0? Uh-huh. Didn't they come out 4-0? Or they, I think they did. 3-0, 4-0? They, yeah. were kinda, okay. they were really good early, but yeah. I don't know. Okay, good. I, I'm, not, I'm not sold on the Bills. And so maybe the, maybe the Seahawks are catching them at the right time. They're going to go across the country and beat the Bills. All right, three guests and then the other stuff segment. I'm ready. Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered, a great partner 
And still, Jordan, an incredible time to look at purchasing, look at refinancing, because the numbers remain so low, and it looks like they're going to remain low for a long time. Yeah, it's great to be back on, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. Rates are incredibly low still for purchases and refis. They're still in the high twos right now with everything going on, and they're going to be staying low for uh, the foreseeable future. So what's the rule of thumb? You've got a listener here listening to Jordan Flowers, hearing Jordan Flowers from time to time on the podcast and wondering if it's best to pick up the phone and call him or some other mortgage person. What numbers do they need to see on their 30-year fix that would encourage them to at least consider a refinance? Yeah, I'd say still looking at 3.253375 or above is uh, at least warrants a phone call, depending on how long you've been in that mortgage. Maybe we can cut off five to seven years or just lower the interest rate with the same payoff term or look at other options as far as a new 30-year fix or pulling cash out to do some uh, home renovations or take care of some things you've been thinking about needing to do. So anything that's about three and a quarter, three, three, seven, five or higher. I think the common misconception uh, in the business is, oh, I've got to start all over. The clock goes back to zero and 30 years starts all over. That's not necessarily the case. There are a million ways to do this, including a common one, which keeps you right where you are in your mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a common thought. And a lot of companies do just have kind of your standard 20 or 30 or 15 year options. Uh, we do kind of customize that 30 year option where we can set it to any term of months, however far into your payment you are, we can set it at 21 and a half months, 22 months, 27 months, or 27 years, whatever they're needing, we can look at. So I want to go about the business of checking into this. How long is the phone call with you and what kind of information do I need to have ready that you're going to ask me about? Yeah, if you call in, it's probably five to seven minutes. If you've got your mortgage statement, most recent statement available, that has all the information on it for us to run some quick numbers and see if it makes sense to move forward and get a little more detailed than application in. And the phone number I call? Cell phone's 425-890-2957. Office line is 425-250-3145. An opportunity for a lot of us to save a lot of money Every single month with a five to seven minute phone call, he has compiled a great team Jordan Flowers has. It's the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage. Unfiltered. A crisp looking drive here. And open inside the 35. Wilson has it for the end zone, and there's a flag, but D.K. Metcalf has the football and has a Seahawks touchdown, his second today. And the rookie, D.J. Dallas, runs it in for a touchdown, rushing off 49er defenders. The thing I like best about the game is the defensive play. Up until like the fourth quarter, they had 112 yards or something like that. And uh, run past all the whole thing. We, were, we really played really good ball today. Kenny called a great game. Guys played great. Bobby Whitener was just, just everywhere on the field. Well, what do we have here? A Seahawks suffocating defensive performance for three quarters, at least, against the Niners. And when the offense started to roll... It was over. Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider, joins us 
uh, courtesy of Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app, who reminds you, order ahead. And we're getting free tacos on Tuesday, a buy one, get one free taco because of the late running touchdown from DJ Dallas, Brady Henderson. How'd you enjoy that Seahawks-Niners game? You didn't have to write and rewrite your story 16 times. <laughs> Yes, and I'm sure people are, are love hearing about what what tough how tough of a job I have. But yes, usually with the way that the Seahawks games go, it comes down to the wire, and it's frantic for anybody who's trying to write a running game story because you got to change it maybe with you know five seconds left or change it at the buzzer. So this was a rare, you know, stress free, relatively stress free finish. Uh, I'm sure for Seahawks fans as well as for people who write about the team as well. Brady, guys like me have led the charge, the anti-Ken Norton charge on these podcasts the last several weeks, and I feel it my responsibility as somebody who has said over and over again that he doesn't deserve to be the defensive coordinator, that on a day like Sunday where the Seahawks give up like 120 yards through three quarters and they play so very well and they get pressure on the quarterback and it's a an exotic-looking blitz package he is deserving of credit. The coaching staff is deserving of credit. And yet I find myself considering what the 49ers offense had in the way of firepower and wondering how that fits into the success of the Seahawks defense. I think that was part of it too. But at the same time, you still have a brilliant play caller in Kyle Shanahan and the Seahawks are dealing you know, with injuries themselves on defense. No Jamal Adams, no Shaquille Griffin, no Ugo Amadi in that game, no Benson Mayoa. So I think those two things kind of even each other out. And this was really, for most of this game, the best defensive performance of the season. I think as a whole, it still is. And really, it goes to show how bad that defense has been earlier this season when you're talking about a group showing improvement despite giving up 27 points. But that is the case. That was an improved defense. The players certainly deserve a lot of credit for that. Bobby Wagner had his best game of the season. That was vintage Bobby Wagner there. 11 tackles, two sacks. And two of those sacks were the result, I thought, of a more aggressive game plan, certainly than what you saw last week against Arizona when they really did not send a ton of pressure in terms of extra pass rushers against Kyler Murray. And Pete Carroll regretted that they did not adjust to that later in the game and start sending pressure after him when they needed to. From the get-go of this one Sunday, they were coming after Jimmy Garoppolo. And the ESPN stats and information had this note that they pressured the 49ers quarterbacks, meaning Garoppolo and Nick Mullins when he came in, on 17 of 45 dropbacks, 38% of their dropbacks. That's the most since that London game in, in 2018 against wow. the Raiders. So certainly wow. the best pass-rushing performance of the season. And part of that, I thought, was they were just simply more aggressive in terms of blitzing. And, yeah, Ken Norton Jr. deserves – credit for that now it's not really the idea of just hey he had this brilliant idea hey let's blitz more i mean mitch i could have come up with that idea and as you know i can't even count to 12 sometimes <laughs> but the the what he gets credit for was the creativity with the blitzes i mean i i couldn't draw those up and tell you exactly what happened but they were good enough to work and they came in situations so he, he called the right blitzes and he called the right blitzes in the right situations um and it ended up being effective for them with three sacks and as we know they came into that game with only nine sacks over their first six games but again do seahawk fans like me need to temper our expectations and enthusiasm like oh okay the seahawks are now going to be a really good blitzing team they're going to be greg williams type of team when it might have just been the right opponent to blitz because we didn't fear their outside guys and we didn't fear their quarterback we didn't fear them making 
making us pay when we didn't get home like a guy like Kyler Murray could or maybe Josh Allen this week in Buffalo. Yeah, and Kyler Murray and Jimmy Garoppolo probably couldn't be on further ends of the spectrum there. I imagine that part of the reason, part of their apprehension for blitzing Murray and why they didn't do that very much was when you send an extra rusher or two after him and he gets out of the pocket and he escapes, well, then that's two, you know, that's fewer guys in coverage who are there to stop him when he takes off running. That probably was not nearly as big of, of a concern with Garoppolo, who's not nearly as mobile of a guy to begin with and also is still playing, you know, with that uh, ankle that he sprained earlier in the season. And so, yeah, that was part of it. But at the same time, um, you know, they're, they're probably not going to do that every game for the rest of the season. But at the same time, they are going to have Jamal Adams back. And as we know, he was, they were getting, they were getting the most out of his blitzing ability for the first three games before he went down. So I do think that having Adams back is going to open up some, some more opportunities for them. And maybe, maybe it'll be the ideal situation where Adams blitzing is, as we've said before, more of a luxury than mm-hmm. it is a necessity. Cause mm-hmm. now you're potentially going to have Carlos Dunlap. You should have Carlos Dunlap back next week. Mm-hmm. Maybe Stephen Sullivan can, uh, Stephon Sullivan can start giving them something in the way of pass rush. Maybe Benson Mayo gets back. So we've said this before that that ideally Adams blitzing is something extra and not the main guy that you count on. And, and maybe that's the case going forward. I know you dread this part of the interview, but if you said to me, Mitch, outside of let's say Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, who are the three most important defensive people for the Seahawks on this team? I would have probably said Jamal Adams, Shaq Griffin, and Benson Mayoa outside of the other two guys. All three of them missed Sunday's game against the 49ers. We thought that there was a chance that all three of them could play. Does that mean we're encouraged or don't you even want to answer? Does the Brady-Henderson index even want to answer the chances of those guys being back against Josh Allen and the Bills on Sunday? You know, I will give Mayoa a, a decent chance. I'll say 50-50 because he was able to practice on Friday, even as a limited participant after not doing much. So that I like his chances of playing more so than I would had he not been able to do anything uh, in practice last week. And then in terms of Shaquille Griffin, that one's a tougher call because it was two injuries that he was dealing with, the concussion and then the hamstring injury. And it sounded like Pete Carroll didn't even – need to see if he was going to clear. He didn't even know by the end of the week if Griffin had cleared concussion protocol because, according to Carroll, the hamstring injury would have kept him out of this game anyway. So that one's a little harder to tell. And then the Adams, other guy – Adams. And the, Adams, yeah. It sounds like Adams is going to be back, and he probably would have been back from the sounds of it this against San Francisco had he not come down with that Ill, illness midway through last week. He was on track to practice uh, last Wednesday, and then he came down with an illness and had to be sent home and then brought back. And so by the time he got back – after Thursday's practice, he just had, he was just had Friday's practice basically. And in their minds, that was not enough. One practice over the last month was not enough to send a guy back out there, but it does sound like he's going to be back finally for this Buffalo game. What's your suspicion on snacks, not playing on Sunday against the 49ers when many of you guys that watch this thing day to day thought he would play. I think it's more about the game plan and the other players around it because the word that we got from Pete Carroll, he was very clear that Snacks looks ready to play. And that was the big issue over the first few weeks. Remember, they signed him on October 7th to their practice squad. And at that point, he had not played since last season. You're talking about a 31-year-old, 350-pound guy. So certainly he needed some time to get in shape. And everything we heard from Carroll on Friday made it clear that he was ready to play. Now, Carroll stopped short of saying that he would play, and he did say that they were doing okay with their rotations. I still thought that you would see him play just because they also 
waived one of their other defensive tackles earlier in the week, Anthony Rush. So I thought from a number standpoint, they would need him. But apparently they didn't need him in this game. I, I cannot imagine that they would go another week without having him in the lineup. So I, I am going to put the BHI at 90% saying okay. that he's going to play at Buffalo. Do you think that the Bobby Wagner spectacular performance on Sunday had something to do? Do you think the the planets were aligned that on the week that I asked you and Joe on the no table, how many steps Bobby Wagner has lost? Do you think anything that had, like that had anything to do with his performance on Sunday? Or just was a strange Halloween coincidence? Yeah, are you asking me if I think Bobby <laughs> Wagner is a patron? No, of, of no. Unfiltered? I'm just wondering whether there's a strange stars align when people say something negative about him, whether he hears it or not. There's just like this telepathic sense that makes him play a great a great game against the 49ers. You know what, Mitch? I think it's more so the fact that we, you know, me and you and Joe talked about this last week, that really the difference has been the absence of those big splash plays. It's not that, to me, to my eye anyways, it's not that he looks like he's lost a, a ton of speed or he's not getting to where he should be, anything like that. It's just the absence, the difference between the Bobby Wagner that has been in the end, you know, defensive MVP conversation in recent seasons and the Bobby Wagner that we saw were the first six games. It was really just those big plays. And I would contend that maybe he didn't have as many opportunities for those um, like he, as much as he did in this game Sunday when they sent him after uh, Jimmy Garoppolo more than they certainly did last week against Kyler Murphy. And maybe I have to, I'd have to check the overall numbers, but maybe more so than they have in previous games as well. So I think it may be more about opportunity um, and I'll tell you this, I'm just glad I'm not the one who was saying that Bobby Wagner looks like he's no longer a great player because I said he still is. Yes, you did. And you also bumped me on my KP. It was ridiculous. I had the thing nailed. I called it 27-20. It was really a 30-20 to game before two touchdowns at the end that meant nothing. It was kind of like my ball was right next to the pin and then you came along and your ball hit mine and we didn't know where it mm-hmm. was. And so I'm really feeling a little disdain for both of you guys at this particular moment. Listen, before before we finish up, I want to ask you a couple about a couple of guys, but how about the way the game started, especially offensively? If I had told you after you watched those first two or three series where the Seahawks could not get out of their way, their own way, they were pinned behind, uh, you know, inside their five-yard line, they're running the ball on third down, they're punting. It just, it got off to the world's worst-looking start. If I had told you that that team was going to be 30-7 to seven ahead a little while later, you would have said what to me? I would have said that you probably had too much Halloween candy and <laughs> you were not thinking straight. Um, yeah, I mean, they were already challenged enough in this game going into it with the injuries at running back, no Chris Carson, no Carlos side. Travis Homer was active, but he was hobbling on a bruised knee and was basically there for kind of an, an emergency situation if they needed him. So they were already challenged enough. And then you see them committing penalties, backing themselves up and really starting terribly, you know, over those first two drives. And and they really picked it up. I thought Dallas played a pretty good game, two touchdowns. That's a lot on a guy's plate to make his first career start. And again, to really be the only tailback that they had outside of Homer being hobbled as he was not the greatest rushing day, you know, 41 yards on 18 carries. We've talked about this before, how I don't think in their eyes, he is a great, he's, the, he's not their prototypical early down big running back guy like Chris Carson and even Carlos Hyatt is. He's more of a change of pace guy. 
and he was thrust into that early down role, that that basically full time role Sunday. I think overall he had a good game. He really made more of an impact as a receiver. Um, or at least he, he made some of his impact as a receiver with 17 yards on five catches. Yeah. Uh, but they, they might need, I'm, you know, we'll see what happens with Carson next week. It doesn't sound like he was all that close to playing oh. Hyde, maybe even less so because he was doubtful in this game. So they may need him at, at the very least, even if he's not that prototypical early down guy, he still showed that he can make an impact with a lot on his plate, at, you know, for a rookie making his first career start. DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson, and then we'll finish. Metcalf, 12 catches for 161 and two touchdowns. He's got 680 yards. He's on a pace for 16 touchdowns and 1,554 yards. I made a comment in our last segment that at this stage of the game, he's probably, well, probably, he's in the discussion for first-team All-Pro at this point. DeAndre Hopkins would be the only lock, and then there's a bunch of guys that would be up for the other two first-team all I mean, that is an incredible commentary that we're talking about in his second full season, DK Metcalf in that. But he took another quantum step towards superstardom on Sunday. He really did. And what a luxury that it is for the Seahawks to have two top flight wide receivers where they would be the number one receiver on a lot of other teams. And you really, it just goes week to week, right? Last week, it's Tyler Lockett having the second most productive game by a wide receiver in Seahawks history with 200 yards and three touchdowns. And then you have Lockett taking his turn in this game to take over that game with 12 catches, 161 yards, two touchdowns, the best game of his career too. And, you know, Pete Carroll made a comment on the first touchdown after Lockett, excuse me, after Metcalf caught that crossing route that as soon as he caught that ball, Carroll said he knew that he was gone because nobody was going to be able to catch him. So you're seeing the speed of DK Metcalf, both last week on that Buda Baker play when he tracked him down again on that first touchdown. You also saw the strength Sunday to make that tough contested catch on a bullet from, from Wilson in the end zone. So there's really just not a whole lot that, that he can't do at this point. And again, it's just going to be a matter. I, I will continue to say this. I think the only thing that could stop him is an injury. And so far over his NFL career, he has not missed a game and he is proving that maybe the injury concerns along with all the other concerns that there were about him heading into the draft last year were certainly clearly overblown. I could see DK Metcalf staying on this incredible pace for as unbelievable as Russell Wilson has been. And we all expect him to be. He's on a pace for 60 touchdown throws, Brady. I'm going to say that again so that you can digest it. Cause I know you're not great with math. <laughs> 60 touchdowns. The, the greatest season ever. In touchdown throws, 2013, Peyton Manning, 55. And Russell Wilson, through seven games, is on a pace for 60 touchdown passes. Now, I don't think he can keep up that pace. I don't even know that they want him to keep up that pace. I think they'd like to win games in less dramatic fashion, which means running the ball at the end and not having to win games at the end. But still, uh, he's the MVP of the league, and every week we think we've seen the best of Wilson he finds a way to top it, and this comes after a not-so-great week in Arizona last Sunday. Yeah, I'll tell you a little fun story. I was talking with Jeff Legwald, who covers the Broncos for ESPN, my colleague there in Denver, and he covered Peyton Manning during that 2013 season, and we were talking about this a few weeks ago, about the pace that Wilson was on, and by that point in the season, it was still early. Sometimes you see guys jump off to really hot starts, and you know that the numbers just aren't sustainable over the full season. And Jeff made the point that, look, 
check back in after October. If he's still on that pace after, after Halloween, then you know that this is something that he has a very realistic chance of doing. And he does. I mean, he would, like you said, he would break the record easily if he kept up this pace. And so far at this rate with the, the challenges that their defense is having the way that his top two wide receivers and even the other guy, the other, the other weapons that he has in that passing game, how well those guys are playing. It, it really does not, that record of 50 by no means seems out of reach for Wilson. 55, 55, 55. 55. Okay. Ah, oh, boy. I, I would be unbelievable. If he could, <laughs> the guy who at the beginning of his career, everybody said just is going to manage the game, right? Just man. He's just going to manage the game and let the defense and the running game win the game for him. Uh, this is the same guy we're talking about a few years later, breaking the all-time record for touchdown passes in a single season. Incredible, incredible journey that Russell Wilson is on. Brady Henderson on Halloween night, dressed up as an ESPN.com Seahawks insider, and he looked the part. Also, thank you to Taco Time and Taco Time Northwest, the app. I download the app so that I can order ahead. Whenever I go to Taco Time, I order ahead, and therefore the meal is waiting for me just inside the front door at my favorite location. Brady Henderson. So let's see. Uh, yes or no? Is your sense that they'll beat the Bills next week, or do you think they're coming back six and two? Which just an early. This isn't your official prediction. We'll get that on the note table later on in the week with Joe Fan. Is your early just gut that they're going to go win that game? Yes, and I wouldn't have said that last week. I think when we talked about, we were looking ahead to that five-game stretch that they're currently in right now, and I think you may have asked me, when is that first loss? And I picked the Bills game thinking that they would have beaten Arizona last week, but I picked the Bills game just knowing that that's the good team. Yes, it is the they have mastered that cross-country flight with the early kickoff, but that is another challenge on top of facing a good Bills team. I'm not so sure. I think I, I'm a lot more encouraged after seeing the way that defense played against the 49ers. And again, knowing that it's going to get Adams back, it's going to have Carlos Dunlap. Okay. They've shown that they're capable of All making right. adjustments. So my early right. call right now is that the Seahawks are going to win that Brady game. Henderson, ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter. Brady, let's talk later in the week on the note table and get ready for the Bills game. Thank you. All right. Sounds good, Mitch. Thanks. ESPN.com Seahawks insider Brady Henderson behind the curtain with the 6-1 and one Seattle Seahawks across the country to Buffalo this weekend. Will they get all these guys back or a number of these guys back? Love to see Jamal Adams back on the field and Shaq Griffin at the very least back on the field to give them a better chance against that Buffalo offense and Josh Allen. The Seahawks are cruising and hopefully continue some momentum on the defensive side of the football. Evergreen CEO Tyler Hay is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Great partner. Hey, Tyler, how's everything at our favorite Premier Wealth Manager? And kudos to you on your Lakers pick on Mitch Unfiltered and your Seahawks choice so far. So far. Long way to go in the NFL. Uh, Mitch, it's going fine. 2020 has been a year of, of one day at a time for us and probably for your listeners. So uh, we're doing great. And as far as the picks go, it's nice to get a little redemption because when I made them, I didn't feel like I got a lot of love from you. It was Homer this and oh, LeBron that. And we'll see. That defense, though, that defense of the Seahawks needs to get a little healthier, a little bit better if I'm going to go two for two. When you think of a financial advisory firm, Tyler, stocks and bonds advice and investments immediately come to everybody's mind. But Evergreen does for clients, it goes way beyond that, right? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, I think when people think about wealth management or a financial advisor, they think about stocks and bonds and those types of things. But really, 
that's kind of in the ninth inning. You know, people have a lot of life events that lead up to the point where they have wealth that needs to be managed. So whether they're going through a divorce, whether they're selling a business, whether they're considering selling a business, whether they're inheriting money, there's a whole bunch of life events that go on prior to actually managing the money. And we help people navigate those challenges far before they're actually, the money's in their hands. Tax accounting and prep is now a layer also of Evergreen Golf Call, correct? Correct, Mitch. On July 1st, we closed on Sterling Cooter, so we now have a tax advisory component to our firm, so clients don't have to play quarterback in between their financial advisor and their CPA and making sure all the documents go back and forth. We just handle it for them. So for Mitch Unfiltered listeners to find out more about Evergreen Golf Call, they've heard about you for years now on our on our podcast. Start with the website. Start with the newsletter. Yeah, they can go to the website and read the newsletter. That gives them a little bit of uh, insight into how we think. And then there's also a, a client uh, compatibility survey that, that kind of helps us identify who might be a good fit for us. Evergreen Golf Call and Tyler Hay and the whole crew with offices along the West Coast. It's terrific to have them be a partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Second four. Clemson looking to take the lead, and Etienne will do it. Travis Etienne, record breaker, and surging with this comeback. Fields bump fakes, wants to take it downfield. Shot that's Olave. Fingertip catch, touchdown. We're going to take the Minnesota Golden Gophers at Maryland, laying 18 or 19. To tie for Minnesota. Walker, it is no good! Maryland wins! Outrageous! Okay, we're still going to have New Heisel on, despite a rancid <laughs> dessert that he served us last week. I turned on Minnehaha, Rick, and the Terps Friday, and the Golden Gophers had a 17-point lead when I turned it on thir- in the third quarter, and I thought, oh... This Sunday is delicious. But later, I was over the bowl, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and then the cherry of LSU versus Auburn on top of the Sunday. We need, to, we need to check the expiration on that jar of cherries. I think that was 48-11. We need some better picking this week. You think? I, was, <laughs> I should have given you Michigan, right? Michigan was a lock, a 20-point yeah. favorite. It just goes to show you how nuts it is. But oh. uh, I absolutely take the uh, the abuse because I deserve it. No question was about it. Was that Tua's brother on Maryland bringing Maryland back against it was. Minnesota? Leah. Yeah, yeah Talia. Oh, yes, God. that was Tua's brother. It was a good weekend uh, for the Tonga Vailoas. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And this weekend, guess what we get? We get Pac-12 football. You remember Pac-12 football? Do I any, do. you have any recollection of Pac-12 football? Who who from the Pac-12? Give me the two teams from the Pac-12 that have the best chance of running the table and somehow getting into the national championship conversation. I'm assuming you're going to tell me Oregon is one of them, right? Oregon and USC are the two teams that are ranked. Uh, we'll see if they are as advertised. I'm a little skeptical on Oregon only because – their quarterback that's returning is unproven and they had some real significant opt-outs. Their star tackle 
is gone off to the NFL kid by the, by the name of Holland from the secondary, another star player was a big time player in that Rose bowl is out. A corner is out. So I'm waiting to see Oregon. I'm not sure if we're, you know, kind of picking them because of the season they had a year ago, because I do believe the opt-outs are significant. And then USC is second. Keaton Slovis, Mitch, yep, is yep. a real player. Yep. He had uh, four receivers that all had over 100 yards uh, receiving in the UCLA game. Michael Pittman's gone, but the other three have returned. So I, I like USC. I also am being told by some of my people in the Pac-12 that they've got some decent defensive talent, which has been suspect uh, the last few years. It cost Clancy Pendergast his job. The defensive coordinator now at USC is a guy by the name of Todd Orlando, who was with uh, Tom Herman at Texas for a lot of years and was with him at Houston before coming to Austin. So I'm going to wait and see about SC when we we'll, won't have to wait long on Saturday because it starts at 9 a.m. <laughs> yes, it does. As they kick yes, off the season against Arizona State. You once were the head coach of a little school called the University of Washington. They're going to open up on Saturday night at Cal. And from what I understand, Jimmy Lake is not naming his starting quarterback maybe up until game time. What does that tell you? Whenever I hear there are four guys and we don't know who it's going to be, the questions come up. If there's four guys, are there any guys? It's a legitimate question. Uh, I know that there's some people feeling like it's going to be the transfer, obviously, because he's got the experience. But, but I'm of the mind, if no one has won the job clearly, where the team knows who the quarterback is. And if that were the case, I would have thought some would have probably leaked out. Mm -hmm. uh, then it would be probably a couple of guys are going to get chances, at least in the first half, some packages to see how they'll fare. And then Jimmy will make the decision uh, uh, based on the performance early in the game. Should dog fans be scared? That there's not one clear named quarterback, or doesn't doesn't it mean I don't, anything? It's always more comfortable when you have somebody that's you know the guy, but it wasn't going to be somebody you were going to be comfortable with because of the way they performed for the University of Washington. So I don't think it requires a great deal of fear on behalf of Washington fans. I do think though there should be some trepidation as to who you're playing. Justin Wilcox and Cal. I think are the sneaky ones in the uh, north side of the Pac-12, and I I would be worried about going and playing at their place with Wilcox and his defense that certainly will be ready to play. The voice of Rick Neuheisel brought to you each week by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. Don't forget, order ahead, and on on this Tuesday you'll have an opportunity to get a free taco thanks to the running touchdown for the Seahawks on Sunday against the 49ers. The big story after you and I spoke. By the way, Mitch, yeah, should, yeah. should I should I apologize to Taco Time for my picks as <laughs> I well? No, I feel like the apology should be spread, you know, all across I'll the board. I'll send the here. message to them for you. Okay, good. Uh, please. The huge story after you and I visited last week was obviously Trevor Lawrence, COVID positive. They had a true freshman play quarterback. I think they fell behind something like 28 to 10 to Boston College, and then this quarterback brought him back. So Clemson survives Boston College, and right after the game on Saturday, the coach says, okay, no Trevor Lawrence against Notre Dame either on this Saturday coming up. A, will they beat Notre Dame any? I kind of suspect they will, but will they beat Notre Dame anyway with the backup quarterback? And how much does this game matter? Can Clemson still play for the national championship if they lose 
to Notre Dame on Saturday. This is why you're so good at your job, Mitch. You, you, <laughs> you've, you've got this. You've got the tea leaves just uh, read perfectly. You recall a couple years ago, I think it was uh, 2017, when Jake Fromm was a freshman at uh, Georgia. Yeah. And he ended up having to come in and be the starter. Uh, it was what ended up being uh, Jacob Eason's reason for leaving and coming to the University of Washington. Yeah. But Fromm ended up being his second start was at South Bend against Notre Dame. This is DJ Ui Ungalale's going to be his second start. He's going to South Bend. And like Georgia, who knocked off Notre Dame in that particular game, I think Clemson is going to beat Notre Dame this time, and I think probably comfortably. There's so much talent on this Clemson Hold on. Did we just get the first part of dessert, or did we not get the first part of dessert right there? It might be a precursor. (laughs) I'm going to be a little bit more – I'm going to spend a little bit more time deciding what dessert will be because the kitchen – was painfully in disarray last week, but uh, this this is this is a, a spot for this youngster who comes from uh, Southern California to give you an idea why the Pac-12 is in disarray. You know, some of our big time talent, Najee Harris, the, probably the best running back in the in the country, is a Northern California kid. DJ Ungalale is a Southern California kid. Bryce Young, the backup to Mac uh, Jones at Alabama, is a modern day Orange County kid. Uh, These guys are all leaving because of this college football playoff. I do see this as an opportunity for this youngster to blossom. I also think Clemson could lose the game and still get to the championship. The only, the only way Clemson as a one loss team doesn't still go to the playoff is if the one loss is in the uh, ACC championship game. Say that again. If if the one loss, if the one loss is in the ACC championship game, they don't. I know. think the committee would have a hard time saying, "Oh, you get another pass. Come on and play anyway." I think in that case, they'll say, "You know what? This is kind of playoffs anyway, and we got to okay. go look for someone okay. else." So there's no scenario. Rick Neuheisel sees no scenario where they lose this Notre Dame game. Lawrence comes back. They win out. They win the ACC championship game. There's no scenario where they don't play in the Final Four. None. So it doesn't really matter. They get a pass. No. Okay. No. And it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is with the four playoffs and and the committee being asked, tasked, I should not, not asked, tasked to pick the four best teams because they can always say, have you seen them play? Yeah. And it was actually a statement by the first ever committee chairman, Jeff Long, who was then the athletic director at Arkansas. He's now the athletic director at Kansas. When asked why Alabama was still in the top four, despite a loss, he, he said, but have you seen him play? But have you seen him play? They, ultimately that yeah. just is well, they why also, we're in the they, fix they, we're in. Right. But they also could just hide behind the fact that they say, they could say, Hey, the best quarterback in the country didn't, didn't play. play. Didn't play in the yeah. game they lost. And now he's playing. So we're, we're evaluating the team that we have in front of us now, not the team that was in South Bend on that November night. Which we can all say, because this is subjective, is is a fair point. What I think irks me maybe most, and Notre Dame fans should be cautioned about, is this win might not give them the kind of boost that they should deserve because they're not getting the best that Clemson has to offer if in fact it comes to pass at the Irish win against Clemson. Yeah. And if they lose in the championship game, so it's a one-in-one deal and they have only one loss, 
they'd be the ones outside looking in, given the fact that they didn't have their star quarterback. So it's, it's one of those dilemmas that we still have with the, uh, with only four spots in the playoffs. You and I have talked about Justin Fields a few times. I didn't watch him the first week. I watched him a lot last week against Penn State. I know that Trevor Lawrence is a great football player. I know that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one player in the draft, but now he's missing time in his college year. I can't fathom that there are too many college football players that are better than this Justin Fields. He, he looks the part of a Heisman Trophy winner and then some. He's terrific. There is absolutely no question that he's terrific and should be lauded for being so. I don't think he's a finished product. As a matter of fact, I watched some film. I didn't watch much of the game, but I watched some film today uh, or over the weekend uh, as I looked at him. And uh, I, I feel like there's still some stuff that he can improve upon, but boy, what a piece of clay <laughs> to mold. And, and I, I think that uh, he'll be at least in the top three draft choice. Who's the Heisman Trophy winner today if it's not Trevor Lawrence? I think it has to be Mac Jones. Oh. Mac Jones at Alabama is okay. having a banner year. And now you take away Jalen Waddle and his numbers still were, you know, eye popping. And that was against a really good, if Mississippi state is a absolute colossal failure as an offense, which has been clearly the case since week one, they are a very good defense, but, but this Mac Jones is, All right. is outstanding. What do you think about coach khaki pants, a 22 point favorite against Michigan state and he can't win the game. They, they lose the game straight up. What are they saying in Ann Arbor and what are Michigan Wolverine supporters and boosters thinking about their head coach these days? I think they're saying kind of the same things that they're saying about uh, Kirby Smart in Georgia, that he has yet to come to grips with there's a new sheriff in town in college football from an offensive perspective. Nick Saban was as stubborn as anybody and it came to how you win games, but uh, they have not found a way to play college football with the RPO with all the stuff that's going on and they haven't found a quarterback that is capable of doing it all I mean what you saw with Joe Burrow last year what you're seeing now with uh, Steve Sarkeesian calling the plays down there in Alabama Clemson has shown it has not gravitated to Michigan and hasn't gravitated to uh, Georgia now fortunately for Georgia they have such great defensive personnel they're finding ways to win but Jim Harbaugh runs into this Buckeye contingent. And, and this, this last win, this last loss was inexplicable given what we saw the week before. But sometimes that happens. It's only week two, and, and you're going to get upset every now and then. But clearly, clearly in my mind, Jim Harbaugh caught lightning in a bottle when he went to Stanford and he realized he could get all the great interior linemen. He had – a run of offensive linemen such to the point that he ended up adding tight ends to the deal and just mowed over people. It became the bullies in the block. Supplanting USC as the bully in the block and became the dominant team. Toby Gerhardt uh, and passed the baton on to running back and running back. And then he landed on this kid by the name of Luck, Andrew Luck, which <laughs> gave him the best kind of luck yeah. that got him into the NFL. And then he kind of happened onto a kid by the name of Kaepernick. 
And Kaepernick had this pistol stuff, which was another like pixie dust that he caught a little lightning in a bottle. But even though he had it, he didn't even use it on the seven yard line in the Super Bowl (laughs) against his brother and didn't know how to get in the end zone. So I just think Jim's he's still stubborn, always will be stubborn. And uh, I don't know that that lightning is. Will it be his undoing? Yeah. I think it will be. I I don't think he's going to get over the hump. It's kind of like Chip Kelly, you know, had that lightning in a bottle with all the tempo and stuff when he has the best players and all that, it all catches. But now everybody has that. Well, I think Jip's a great X and O guy, but I don't think he has the lightning anymore. And we'll see if it works without the personnel. The Rutgers eight lateral play, Rick Neuheisel. Oh my I, you know, I watch that over and over. I don't see a place <laughs> I don't where either. you call that back. No, you don't. Fourth and 32. I figured you might have a story up your sleeve of a lab. I mean, we see these laterals all the time, and we all just kind of shake our heads and turn the TVs off. But every once in a blue moon, Rutgers happens. What I love about this play, if you've watched it a bunch, then you know, the big lineman who throws it over oh, his head backwards. That's the greatest, like that's the greatest like, pass of like all time. Like he's throwing the bouquet as the first And the play. receiver <laughs> catching it in stride. I mean, it's like it was absolutely just orchestrated. Okay, we're going to work on uh, the Bubba play. Bubba, uh, hit, hit it. And all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to catch it in stride. Uh, I don't see how you call that back. It just was such a shame to have it called back because it was such a beautiful thing. And as a matter of fact, it harkened me back to to, uh, John Elway's final game at Stanford. Oh, yeah. Which which is obviously the Stanford band play, right? Yeah. Where the the, the Bay Area broadcaster said, well, the band's going to have to play with 75 trombone (laughs) because that guy got trucked. Yes. I guess it's the bride who throws the bouquet in the wedding party, right? Over her head, yes, backwards. Absolutely. That's what the guy to see who's like. next to yeah, be betrothed. Yeah, exactly. Guy's 375 pounds throwing the bouquet in the middle of the lateral play. It was, it was a beautiful play. And it, and it, yeah, if that wasn't enough, we have Florida and Missouri brawling. Your buddy Dan, is it Mullen or Mullins? I always get that. Mullen. Dan Mullen. Singular, yes. Yeah, he's he's trying to get the crowd going. You have talked about him a couple of times on our show. And then I'm I'm, I'm actually looking at the, the brawl, and I'm wondering something. Something's not sitting right with me. I'm having trouble putting my finger on it, and then it dawns on me. What kind of uniforms was what, what, what was Florida wearing? Were they was that Louisiana Tech or was that Florida? <laughs> that didn't look like the Florida Gators to me. I remember Emmett Smith wearing orange, you know, the, in the I, swamp. Blame what, what blame that? all of this on Oregon. <laughs> Oregon went crazy with uniforms, uh, and so as a Nike uh, school, a proud Nike school. Uh, there's going to be an assortment of uniforms because kids love bling. So that was just another in the long line of Gator uh, sportswear. And listen, Dan Mullen is having a bad year. <laughs> listen, I think his team is great. And I think he's really good coach and I like him. I personally like the guy, but I don't know. He has been on edge from the beginning, <laughs> from calling out, you know, fill the house at the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you forget it's 2020? I mean, it's, we've got a pandemic. Uh-huh. He's calling for that. Now he's wanting to, ha- you know, he's inciting the crowd at the uh, end of the half. And I get it all. And then he comes to the press table in Darth Vader gear. I mean, he's, he's, he's Darth Gator. I mean, it, it's, it's off the charts. Oh, is the big 12 out? With Oklahoma State's loss. You know what? I think it is. I I do think it is. And I think it's really sad. And this goes back to my point about 
the playoff and why it has to expand and why we need more people to understand why it's got to expand. Because right now in the big 12, we have a fantastic race. It's a fantastic race. You've got uh, Oklahoma state with one loss. You've got Iowa state with one loss. You've got Kansas state with one loss. You've got Oklahoma with two losses, Texas with two losses, West Virginia with two losses. There's so much that can be done. And people say, Oh, you'll ruin in the regular season, Mitch. You won't have anybody caring about the regular season if you water it down with more teams that can get in. This is exactly how to expand the interest in the regular season because now we would all be watching all these Big 12 games and see which team emerges for the bid that gets to the dance. Mm. That's exactly why you want in. Sure. Are you concerned that, oh, we might get a game that we isn't is one-sided when we get to the dance? We see that in basketball all the time, and yet we can't wait for it. And by the way, we saw Oklahoma, the Big 12's uh, representative from to, uh, in the college football playoff last year, get give up 49 points to LSU in the first half. This, this isn't changing anything. It just makes the regular season that much more fun and more teams have a chance, which then will balance the scales of recruiting back to normal so we won't have all this just Everybody go to Clemson. Everybody go to Ohio State. Everybody go to Alabama. And if you can't play there, you transfer. Eight teams is enough, though. Eight teams. Truthfully, I'd go. I'd go twelve. Okay. I'd go four get buys and the next eight, and that that way you'd get a couple of teams from each of the powers, and then some uh, an at large, a couple of at larges, and a and a group of five team. I would not, and I would get rid of the conference championships. I would get rid of those because other than the SEC game, they're kind of poorly attended anyway. 12 teams, four buys. I I don't know whether I want to go back to this restaurant. I I do want to go back because I've had such a great time at this restaurant. I have been served. Great entertainment. Well, no. Sometimes the food is suspect. No, I got to tell you, most times, and here's the thing about restaurants, most times I get the greatest desserts known to man at this restaurant. More times than not, I get great desserts. But when you go to a restaurant, it's that one out of four that you don't feel good coming out. You don't really want to go back. But I'm going back anyway because I have faith that the chef behind the counter is going to whip something up like nobody's business this week. Aunt Rita was a guest <laughs> chef this last week. And Rita was uh, should have been busy doing meter maid stuff. She was not the, the, the chef that we needed her. Listen, this particular week, I, I, I'm steering away from these teams that I haven't seen enough of. And that's no excuse for the LSU pick. I thought they had finally found their compass. But Auburn was the better of the two teams. And Bo Nix is, is having a banner, banner year. I'm going to go with the Black Knights of Army over Air Force. Really? We're really going off the board now here. I got yep. to find this game. Tell me about what is it about Army over Air Force that you like so much? Well, Air Force had their way with Navy. But I believe that Army, having seen that film and the way that Air Force has struggled, remember Air Force lost just a couple of weeks ago to San Jose. I think uh, Army is going to uh, be the team that okay. emerges from this. They're a six point, six point, six and a half point favorite. Yep. I like uh, Army in this game. You've already said that you think Clemson will go to Notre Dame and win. They're about a, I don't know, four, five, six point favorite. 
Is there a cherry? Is there some whipped cream? Is there some chopped nuts or some sprinkles that you <laughs> want to throw? This is how I get in trouble. <laughs> Always adding more, more fare well, to I, the... Uh, I figured... Okay, I'm going to go out there. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm going to go out there. Boise State and BYU. Now, BYU is an 11, is the 11th team in the country, okay? And Hank Bachmeyer, the, the quarterback for Boise, he didn't play this last week. No one said exactly why but it's possible that he has COVID. Oh. So who will be the quarterback for Boise and BYU? This is their long, this is their chance to establish themselves as a top 10 team, given the fact that this is probably the, the, the highest ranked team that they'll play as well as the most known team that they'll play. So I'm going to go off the board here and say, Boise's going to beat BYU. Oh, okay. Boise's going to beat BYU as a slight underdog on the blue turf. On the blue turf. On the blue turf. Uh, In a game that uh, BYU, a night game on Saturday night. Late night, Saturday night. Late night. So just the time for dessert and the (laughs) chip. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Rick Neuheisel brought to you by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. He apologizes to everybody for his not such great dessert last week, but in previous weeks, he's been pretty darn good. Let's see if he jumps back into the win column. Thank you, Rick. Great to visit with you. We'll talk to you next week at this time. Always fun, Mitch. Take care, buddy. CBS NFL insider Rick Neuheisel, the college football world, will be watching South Bend, Indiana, Clemson and Notre Dame. Can Clemson beat Notre Dame with a true freshman quarterback making his second start? And what about the Pac-12? The Doggies are back in action against California. Great to have Neuheisel back on episode 115. It's always terrific to have Zeke's Pizza president Dan Black on the Zeke's Pizza hotline and Mitch Unfiltered. Fill us in, Dan. Last time we spoke, you kind of hinted at two, one or two more locations, and now I'm hearing about a third. Yeah, I think last time we talked, we mentioned Kenmore. That one's being built and on track to open early January. Uh, We've signed two more deals recently. Uh, Just signed one for Mill Creek. Uh, Our Bothell franchise owners, Chad and Lauren Grembos, are signing up to do their second one, and then Mount Lake Terrace is going to happen as well. So... That'll take us up to 20 total, and and we're excited to be in Kenmore, Mill Creek, and Mount Lake Terrace. Just another indication that while it's so difficult in the restaurant business these days, you guys are are keeping your heads well above water, right? Yeah, and you know, we we try to be careful in terms of how we talk about it, because there's a lot of pain out there, particularly in our industry, and we've been able to rally around takeout and delivery, and Pizza in general has been okay in the pandemic just because it does lend itself so well to takeout and delivery. But what has really differentiated us is our leadership in beer and in particular, the emerging consumer behavior of ordering alcohol with your pizza. And, you know, as that has gotten traction, people ordering beer with their food in particular pizza, we've talked about how people discovered pretty quickly that Zeke's is the best at it. And so that has just given us a lot of momentum, both in terms of delivering pizza and beer but then it also has given us a lot of momentum on the franchise side people have seen our success and you know they want a piece of the action basically i'm not a huge beer man i'm not a this is not a huge beer family but i know of your list and i know of the accolades that it's received even just recently yeah no our our beer lineup has been semi-legendary for a while and that just keeps getting higher profile and 
And what we focus on is bringing people the best beers in the Northwest. And when we focus on that, it turns out you're bringing people the best beers in the world just because we are so good about it in our home region here. And, you know, just another indication of that is the Great American Beer Festival just happened. And it's the biggest beer festival in North America. It's one of the two biggest in the world. It's where the medals that are awarded there are the most highly prized in the world. And so we had, you know, a lot of our mainstay partners like Chuck and Nut, Frame, Bale Breaker, Rubens, things that we have on a lot. They are just all were highly decorated. I think we had 12 to 15 beers that we've had on in the past year win medals at Great American Beer Fest. And so, you know, that's just another indication of what people already know, which is when you're coming to Zeke's, you're, you're coming to find definitely the best beer in the Northwest, which means you're kind of coming to find the best beer in the world. So beer, pizza, straight to your door in minutes, 20 locations soon. Zeke's Pizza and a great, great partner of Mitch Unfiltered since the beginning. And I'm proud of that. Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. We've, we've all tried to digest the crazy end of a beyond bizarre baseball season. I still need some help, and there's one guy that I know will catch me when I fall backwards. Steve Phillips, the former GM, baseball analyst, Sirius XM, Stadium Sports, my buddy. How are we doing? Is there an offseason in, in your world in Major League Baseball? No, there's no offseason. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just it's it's the hot stove season. And, and, you know, 60 games was a sprint. And all that did was whet my appetite for more. I'm grateful we got it in. I'm grateful that it was in, as enjoyable as it was. Uh, but I'm looking forward to free agency. I'm looking yeah. forward to the trade market, all the decisions that could be taking place out there. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, there are no off seasons anymore uh, in baseball. That's why it's a year-round sport. You and I last visited Steve when the decision came down to play 60 games and it was official. And you and I agreed that it had a chance to be a super exciting kind of sprint. Somehow, and I'm not sure I can put my finger on it, maybe you can, it, it lost me a little bit. It wasn't as exciting for me as I thought it would be. Maybe it was the, the Seattle Mariners not being a part of it or no fans in the stands or limited innings for starting pitchers. I, I don't know, maybe a combination of a lot of things. It just, it lost me a little bit along the way. How about for you? Was it exactly what you thought it would be? Well, the playoffs were, but I think the regular season, maybe not. You know, and I think that when you had the Marlins test positive uh, with 18 players and when you had the Cardinals lose 17 days and you're thinking, how are we going to manage this? And and they were and the games were being different, uh, managed a bit differently. And, and you know, bullpens were, were coming into play and the expanded rosters and seven inning doubleheaders. Uh, there were a lot of things that that distracted us away from the actual game on the field. But then there were some things about the game on the field that have never been more exciting. Like, I love the idea of starting a runner on second base in extra innings. I, I just, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a creative and fun and exciting way to do it. And is so, that here to stay, do you think, Steve? Yeah, I do. I think, I think it is. In the regular season, I think it is. I don't think it will be in the postseason. Uh, but I do think that they're going to keep that. They'll, I don't like the three batter minimum for pitchers. I don't like it at all in the playoffs mm -hmm. where, you know, managers are making decisions 
decisions to leave a guy in that they know is not the best thing they have available to get an out in an inning, but they're doing it just because of the rule. I wouldn't do it. I would do it. I'm fine if you want to do pace of play. But we had here's how about this? The the in in game six of the World Series, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers used seven pitchers in game six. In 1988, in the World Series, the entire World Series, they used seven pitchers. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yes, they used seven in game six, and in in 88, that's all they used in the entire series was seven pitchers. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Seattle, by the way, always finds a way to be involved in the biggest story of the year. Blake Snell is from here. Have you talked with anyone that approved? Of the Kevin Cash decision, is this lopsided? Is this the Tampa Bay Rays decided to go this direction and the rest of the world has yelled foul play on this? So I, I've, I've seen one person uh, say that the mistake wasn't taking out Blake Snell. It was bringing in Nick Anderson. Now, I think it was two mistakes. It was both taking out Nick Snell <laughs> or Blake Snell and bringing in Nick Anderson. Uh, and, and look, here's the thing. Like, I could create the argument – for Kevin Cash. Here's his argument. Well, in the postseason, Blake Snell had a 1.35 ERA for the first four innings. But after that, after the first four innings, he had a 12-plus ERA. That during the regular season. His numbers the first time through the lineup had a sub-200 batting average and a 560 OPS. But the second and third time through the lineup, they had over 900 OPSs. And so, the, you know, the numbers, you can make that. But the problem is the guy, the Blake Snell that pitched in game six wasn't the guy who put up those numbers. It was the guy who yeah. won the Cy Young Award right. previously. Right. And what, what Kevin Cash did is that he believed the bad numbers about Snell when he should have trusted his eyes saying Snell was really throwing the ball well. And he trusted the good numbers from the past on Nick Anderson when his eyes should have told him that that's not the same Nick Anderson who had given up runs in each of his last six appearances before he brought him in. And throw in some other numbers, Mookie Betts this year had a 560 OPS against left-handed pitching and a 1,200 OPS against right-handers. So why would you take the left-hander out and bring in the right-hander? And then for Seager, you definitely would rather have the left-hander face him. So you can create an argument for the numbers. I understand the logic behind, you know, get a guy out before he gets in trouble. But I think he put himself in a less, lesser position by bringing in Anderson and taking out Snell. So two follow-up questions, Steve. Cash takes the fall, obviously. But from where I sit, isn't this an overall organizational analytic strategy from the front office that Cash is carrying out? That's the first question. And the second question is, if yes... Maybe this ends up being kind of a baseball blessing in disguise and some teams start pivoting in the future, allowing managerial eyes to be able to veto the analytics and the numbers that's in front of them. Yeah, uh, excellent points. And, and so, yeah, Kevin Cash took the fall, but he is implementing the organizational philosophies. And if you ask Eric Neander, the general manager, he'd say, oh, yeah, I was OK with it. The, the, the numbers indicated that he should take Blake Snell out in that moment. You can, you, and, and I can understand the, the, the numbers. I understand the whole argument. They're just looking at it the wrong way from, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think within this could be a blessing that for all analytics teams, they can start to reconsider 
the implementation of the numbers and the freedom and flexibility that a manager has to manage the game because managers are human beings. Like the rest of us, we don't want to lose our job and get our bosses mad at us. Mm -hmm. And I think that what happens is managers sometimes think, yeah, I don't know. Like what I'm seeing is this, the numbers say that, but if I go with what my eyes say and what my gut says and disregard the numbers, if I if I fail, if we're wrong, if something happens, I might lose my job or my boss is going to be mad at me. And, and look, even though I don't think it's the right thing to do, at least my boss would be happy if I just go by the numbers. And I think managers get caught up in that. Now, Dusty Baker didn't. Dusty Baker didn't for the Astros. He said, oh, I'm going to leave Zach Greinke in right here. Yeah, the numbers might say this and that. I'm going to leave Zach Greinke in. And it was the right move, and it worked. But Dusty doesn't need the job. Mm-hmm. If you're a first-time manager mm-hmm. or a young guy who's still – you need the job. Dusty's got the credibility. He's like, all right, you don't want me. I'm 71. Yep. I've had my career. You know, Hopefully there will be some growth in that area. Let's turn to the co-headliner of Game 6, the Justin Turner story with Steve Phillips, the former GM – of the New York Mets, Sirius XM, Stadium Sports. Let's let's talk about Justin Turner. A, did baseball screw up? Did Turner screw up? Did the Dodgers mess up? And and the question that I've been wondering all week has been, what if what if they left Blake Snell in, Steve, and the Rays won that game? Now we've got a game seven. We've got a player that's tested positive for for the COVID virus. I guess we can't play. I, I guess we've got to we've got to go quarantine and get everybody out of the way. And it could be it could be a week or ten days before we play Game Seven. No. Yeah, yeah. I, so uh, a couple things. First, what I don't understand is you know the World Series is the only game in town. Why did the Monday test results not come back until after game time on Tuesday? Like it just doesn't. Like why did they? Why was it late mm-hmm. getting back? So they find out in the second inning. That, that Turner had an inconclusive result. And then they said, all right, well, let's quickly test the Tuesday test and sample and see where that is. And it came back positive, so they pulled him out in the eighth inning. So they did the right thing. They pulled him out. Uh, they put him into quarantine. They isolated him, told him he needed to stay there. He committed to staying there. And then they win, and he violates that by going out onto the field later. It was selfish and entitled. I think it's the, the organization is also culpable for this in that you know they saw him come out people could be critical including the dodgers to for aj hinch how did aj hinch you know not have the courage to tell his players to knock it off right when you know they were cheating right when why did the dodgers front office and ownership not have the courage to tell justin turner look sorry you're sick you got to go back in you can't expose everybody out here and somebody should have said that but nobody did the other thing is i think for baseball you know there's no manual to this but I think for baseball, once there was the positive test and the Dodgers won, they needed to change the post-game celebration. Sure, sure. F- family and friends should not have been allowed on the field. You can't let pregnant moms and kids and parents that are older on the field when the players had been exposed to Turner. You at least have to draw the line and put up a boundary somewhere, and they just didn't seem willing to do that. And so I think they, they you know, again, it's the eighth inning. You're not thinking about it, and it unfolds quickly, but that probably should have been something that they did. So if the Rays win, do we wait, and then we see Blake Snell again in game six and in game seven? I know, Rays? right? <laughs> so so I, there's a part of me that says – Test everybody. If you're negative, you can play in Game 7. We're going to get it over with. Okay. Because, look, one of the things that Rob Manfred was adamant about is that there were hard deadlines on this season with the union. Remember, they wanted to push it back. 
and they wanted to be able to, to play regular season games into November, and they kept saying, no, because of the second wave, we can't do it. Then because of our broadcast partners with the election coming, we really can't do that. And so what if they wait a week? We're going to play game seven on election day. <laughs> I mean, there's right. Think about that. And so, yeah, that's a, it was a big issue. Yeah. And so in some ways they caught a break that the Dodgers won. OK, a couple last things. I was floored, Steve, floored. Maybe you weren't when I saw that Tony La Russa is back managing in Major League. I don't even know. Is he 75, 76, 74, yeah, 76, 76, 76 with the White Sox? I saw a Jeff Passan story on ESPN that said that Jerry Reinsdorf has regretted all these years letting Larusa go in the first place. So he's he's uh, he's changing that now. He says that baseball people around the sport are scratching their heads. Can this work? Can Larusa work at this day in this day and age? Boy, I, I, I think it's a great move. I, I do. I think Tony La Russa is a brilliant manager. Having broadcast games, I will tell you that the Tony La Russa games were the ones that you had to be on your feet and thinking ahead more than any other game because you knew he was going to impact it with some move. Pitching, defense, shift, bunting, suicide squeeze, pitching change, defensive change, holding runners, pickoff plays, you name it. He was going to do something, and he was the most thoughtful manager that I've ever watched in in managed games and broadcast games. So I I think when it comes to that, he's genius. He was analytics before they called it analytics. Mm -hmm. I mean, he changed how we use bullpens. He was the situational relief guy to bring in the lefty and the, you know, the situational left-hander and all the other ways that we've managed things. So, you know, he's elite in that way. He hasn't managed since 2011, but he's been around the game. He's been in front offices. He's been in clubhouses. He's been traveling with teams. He's been, I remember when, when uh, he was doing something and they said, oh, if we do a themed road trip, I, we went out to Los Angeles. I asked him, I said, so if you're going to travel with the Angels and Joe Madden's going to do a, uh, you know, a Barney-themed road trip, are you going to travel? He goes, if I'm traveling with the team, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, all right, well, that's interesting. So I think he's going to be fine. Now, you know, I know he's had some comments that he's made in the past that he's having to defend, you know, about being against the Kaepernick kneeling and, and some of those things that in, in this era of social injustice, people are looking at things differently. And what he has said is, I've changed my mind on that, and I completely support protests that are out there. And so I look at it and think, if we want people to change the way that they think and the way that they act, that when they do, then we need to give them a chance to show that they're different rather than blame them for having looked at it differently in the past. There's no player that I've ever seen or heard that was managed by Tony LaRusso that doesn't respect the man completely. Nobody's ever thought that he has any racial discrimination issue or bone in his body. And he's a serious guy, but he also managed Jose Canseco and Ricky Henderson, so he's got to have a sense of humor somewhere. Uh, and so, so I think he's going to be fine, and he's a win-now manager for a win-now team. I'm intrigued by what that'll look like. You and I have talked about this before, both on and off the air. You're talking about second chances when it comes to LaRusa and some of the comments that he made. Uh, we both love second chances. A.J. Hinch is going to get another shot. Are you surprised that it's so soon after the whole Astros cheating scandal now that he's in, I guess, Detroit? Yeah, not really. I, I, I think he, he probably of, the, of the, the three, I would say Jeff Luno, the general manager, Hinch, and Alex Cora, I think has handled it the best. He's accepted his responsibility. 
he spoke up about the fact that, you know what, I didn't have the courage to speak up because I thought I could lose the clubhouse if I did. That's a pretty big admission on his part. And so I think he's handled it where he's accepted responsibility for it. I don't think there's any chance in the world that the Detroit Tigers will cheat under him. I think it's safe. I think he's a good baseball guy that fits their organization. Uh, And so I'm not completely surprised by it. I won't be surprised when Cora probably ends up going back to the Boston Red Sox. Okay. Final question. Is Kyle Lewis going to win Rookie of the Year? I think he will. I think it's going to be a close vote, but I think I think that he'll ultimately pull it out and win it. Late season struggles for him and Luis Robert both could play into it some, but I do. I think Kyle Lewis is going to do it. He's an exciting kid. And boy, the future of the outfield in Seattle is exciting right now, man, with uh, with Kellenick and Julio Rodriguez and, yep. and, and obviously uh, Trammell and, and uh, with what Kyle Lewis did. So there's a lot to get excited about there. It's great to hear your voice, man. I You know, when I hear Steve Phillips's voice, I'm happy. Thank you so much for being back with us on Mitch Unfiltered. I Whatever it's called, if it's not called an offseason, whatever it is, I hope you have a great one, and I hope we find you and your family well. Thanks for being back with us. You bet, Mitch. My pleasure anytime. The former Mets GM back in the 80s and one of the great talking heads and voices of baseball on Sirius and XM and Stadium Sports, Steve Phillips, my buddy, has been on the show for years, going back to the radio show. He thinks that Kyle Lewis is indeed going to be crowned Rookie of the Year. If you're competing against Scott and me in the Beat the Boys contest, you know our presenting sponsor is Fireside Home Solutions. The owner, John Waterstrat, is on the horn. Huge Seahawks fan like the rest of us. What do you think, John? Is this defense going to improve enough to do its part? Uh, that's a great question, Mitch. Uh, I, I think we have to have faith in Pete Carroll. I think that he'll get this defense turned around. We'll get some players back. We just made that great trade for hopefully Dunlop. He's hopefully going to help get us that pass rush. And, and even if he doesn't, I think uh, we have to have our trust in Russ right now. John, let's discuss the process, the fireplace process this week. The weather is turning. A new energy-efficient fireplace is on our to-do list. We shop around. We go to your website. Then what? Take us through the steps from beginning to end on how it works on your end. So we try to make it as easy as possible, Mitch. Uh, The first thing we can do is you just make a call. You can either have us just come right out to your home so you don't have to leave your home. We can come right to you. Or if you want to come into one of our showrooms, come on in and we can look at fireplaces. We always want to come to your home before we do an installation. So once we come to your home, we'll do all the measurements, make sure everything's going to be a perfect fit for you. Then what we do is get you scheduled right there and then. We'll give a call right to the office, get you scheduled right up. Hopefully in about a week or two weeks, we'll get everything going. Our installers will come out, get you a nice, beautiful installation installation, spend as much time as they can with you to make sure you answer all your questions. And then at the very end, we're going to follow up. Just make sure you have everything that you need. And the nice thing we've always talked about is that service is very important to us. So if anything does go wrong, please give us a call. And we have that service department to make sure they can answer any of your questions. Start to finish. How long? And I guess that depends on whether the product that they choose is in stock, correct? we want to make sure that uh, we look at the different products. So we've been doing this for, I've been doing this for over 20 years. So we do stock about four or five different inserts. Those would be our fast track inserts. We could get you done in about two weeks from start to finish. If you want to order something that's more decorative, ornate, something that we don't stock, it's going to take you uh, approximately about three to five weeks, depending on what you pick. But either way, depending on if you want to get fast-tracked or if you want to get something that's a little bit more fancy. And you have 
showrooms from Bellevue down to the Portland area. We have listeners of Mitch Unfiltered all over the West Coast. So why don't you identify where these places are? Yep. Uh, again, our flagship store is there in Bellevue, right there in the corridor of Bellevue. We can help you out with whatever you need. Uh, we also have our Kent location and Puyallup for the South End people. But down in uh, the Oregon area, we have one that's conveniently located in Tualatin or up in the Beaverton area. Great. They are an unbelievable football season partner, hopefully all year round one of these days. Start your shopping at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Episode 115, Other Stuff segment, Hot Shot Scott, Seahawks victorious by 10 over the Niners. Yes, they were. And by the way, congratulations to Sue Bird. Yeah. You see she got engaged over the weekend? Or why not congratulations to Megan? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. But why are you only congratulating Sue? Well, because Megan's the one who asked. So I don't know. It was it's always like, weird, It's isn't like it? when a couple has a, has a kid... Typically, the mother gets... Yeah, I know, it's so weird. Dad was part of it, I guess. Well, I too, guess, on some level. Didn't really do much. Congratulations yeah. to the couple. Yes. They are engaged. It's weird. What I, a power couple that is, Well, We said earlier, if if we who are the receivers? If Megatron and T.O. could have a kid, <laughs> what if these two... I mean, they'd be the greatest athlete of all time. What, what, what sport is he going to play? Yeah, he or she going to play? Both. They could play them all. So, congratulations. I, I don't know if she said yes. I haven't spoken to her, but I assume My she guess said yes. Yeah, okay, okay, good. Uh, John Bones Jones. I know you're not a UFC don't know guy. That. No, not at all. Okay, is that well, a sport? Turns out it is. Yeah. I'm not either, but I know who he is. He's probably the greatest UFC fighter in the world right now. I don't know that he's lost. I could be wrong. He's a beast, all right? This guy, John, he's been into some oh, trouble. I think I, can, I think I can picture him. He's like a crazy athlete for that sport. Really athletic. Is he like a, he's not a heavyweight. I don't think he's a heavyweight. He's kind of a, does he have a bald yeah, head? Yeah, bald head, yeah. A chiseled face and yeah, jaw. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Total beast, I all actually right? know who you're talking about, which is amazing. He's like the one guy I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the, the one you have seen. I know, I know Dusty Rhodes, and I know him. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes. That's all I know. I know Dusty Rhodes. And Andre tell the you Giant. something, Tully Blanchard. <laughs> I love Dusty Rhodes. I know Thunderlips too from the Rocky movie. Okay, good. Yeah. There okay, you go. I'm gonna hit you here. Okay, is that okay? You're right there. Is that okay? That yeah, wasn't yeah. too hard, was it? Is that okay? Is that okay? That movie like shot Hulk Hogan into like the stratosphere after that. I mean, anyway. All right. So he. Hey, you still want that picture? <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. After the after the match tonight, my son really wants a picture. <laughs> right, right. And he hit, hit him over the head. Go that's, ahead, I'm sorry. That's Hogan at his prime roids, though. I mean, he's so big in that movie. He just looks unbeatable. He scared me in that movie. I, I know. Like, how could that be? It was an exhibition fight. Doesn't he understand he's going to hurt the guy? <laughs> He's picking Rocky up and throwing him like 600 feet. When he's walking to the ring, they, they thought he was on someone's shoulders or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then Paulie says, oh, no, no, that was him walking or something like that. All right, anyway, Bone, John Bones, John Jones got his house broken into. He was looking at the security footage of this house, and he comes out with a shotgun, John Jones, and scared the crap. There's video. You can see the video of it. The guy realizes someone's home, wow. and John chases him down, catches yeah. him. Wow. And you know- Wrong guy. Wrong guy. Wrong guy, guy to F with. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've seen him. He's not like a, he's not a big, fat heavyweight. Know you're talking You are not outrunning John no, Jones. No, no, no. If I'm not mistaken, his brother is in the NFL. Oh, I don't know that. I think maybe. Julio? I don't think it's a... Anyway, wrong guy to, to try to run from. Yeah. And Jerry? He, he was, <laughs> I don't think so. He was smart enough to not shoot a guy who's retreating, he said. Yeah. I, I know that much. I don't yeah. want to get... So the, the cops came, and yeah, the, he just... He, he had a quote that said, next time you try to rob someone, make sure you're fast enough to outrun them. And by the way, <laughs> by the way, just as an FYI... Yeah. In the, in, the, in the infamous exhibition match... <laughs> pa- thinking about this. No, listen. Pauly and, and, and Rocky are in the corner... 
and they're introducing the fighters. Yeah. And just as they're introducing Rocky, I don't know if you remember this, just as they're, the timing was impeccable, okay. just as the ring announcer is introducing Rocky, Rocky says to Paulie, I wonder how much he eats for breakfast. And, 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 and Paulie says, about 212 pounds. And the ring announcer goes, weighing in at 212 pounds. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> right? That's good. That's good. I like 212 that. pounds. Yeah. At 212 pounds. Yeah. Look at Paulie getting a good line off. That's great. The racist yeah. that he is, right? Yeah. I mean, who knew? Yeah. Um, I right. don't need your stinking watch. <laughs> I don't need your sticking oh. watch. Which, which one was that? I one got you, the... my sister. <laughs> Starts I... throwing punches at him in the in the, in the, yeah. in the garage. I love that he's he thinks, throwing punches. Yeah, he's at gonna him. fight Rocky. It's kind of like the guy. I don't know if you've seen it from Sunday. The guy on the Bears throwing punches at the Saints guy. Have you seen the video of this? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I saw that. I guess he was mad that the Saints guy poked. Somebody threw his face mask earlier in the game, uh, a teammate, and he came in, and the guy, and the Saints guy was just standing there. He just starts throwing haymakers at him. Yeah, I saw. Crazy. With a helmet on. Okay. Uh, I, I know. He threw two haymakers at the guy with a helmet on. That's been going on in football since football started. That's like you just Pauly. forget. I don't need to stick and watch. <laughs> He's trying to throw drunk, trying to throw punches at Rocky. Right, like, right. What's that going to do? I know, idiot. What are you going to say? What's going to happen? By the way, he broke that beautiful pinball machine, too. Yes. Oh, he was so drunk that night. That was God, such a, a cool pinball. He was pinball. on a bender that night. He was, yeah. and he whips the whiskey because, bottle because at it. Because Rocky was on the freaking pinball right. machine, and that slow motion shatter. Oh, it was. I know that was such a beautiful machine, and he just oh. broke it to pieces. Yeah, and then didn't he say well, uh, he wants a job or something? Yeah, <laughs> that's all he wanted. <laughs> well, why don't you just ask? <laughs> Wait, is that Rocky three that we're talking about? I don't know. I don't. I think we're talking about a bunch of them. Oh, yeah, and I don't think Paulie got along with the robot that they got him for his. He did like the robot, like in Rocky 8 or 12. Yeah, or he was scared of technology. The, the robot came out, hey, happy birthday. The yeah. robot came out with a cake and everything. What was that? Yeah, he he, he's that guy who's always scared of technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, only 45 more minutes on the Rocky series, and then I'll get to my next okay, story, okay? Yeah. The Rain Man opened up a weed dispensary. I don't know if you saw that in Seattle. The Rain I'm Man, I'm aware Sean that Kemp. this happened, yes. Yeah. I'm, aware, I'm aware that I don't know where or when or how. I just know that he was in that business. Yes. Yeah, I, it's his first one, but yeah, he's he was been tra- he's been talking about it for he's like an advocate for it. He said when I played, absolutely, we smoked pot back in the day because wait, 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 huh? Sean Kemp smoked pot while he played. <laughs> I, I'm glad you're sitting down for that. I'm glad you, I, I'm glad you're sitting down. But I mean, he is saying that you know instead of those, a lot of guys took the the addictive and dangerous pain pills, and he was at least smart enough to see that guys were getting hooked on those. So. Yeah, so he's... Uh, I hope I wish him well. Yeah, he wants to open so three he's more. He's been a nice man. I think he's a nice man. No, I like Sean Kemp too, yeah. I used yeah. to play basketball with his wife. You did? Yeah, weirdly. In like an open gym in Issaquah. God, that's that's kind of random, isn't it? Yeah, it is, is that random. that kind of name drop? And I knocked her down on accident one time. Oh, you did? Yeah, and I thought he was going to kill me. On accident or by accident? Have we gone over this before? You just said on accident. I think it's on... Isn't it on accident? No, I don't think so. Completely on accident. Oh, maybe it is by, by accident. My little son does that. And every time he says on accident, I get a kick out of he it. He says think, on accident too? Yeah, and I say, oh, isn't sorry. it by accident? That's what the young hip people say. On accident? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be 0 for 2 on young and hip. <laughs> That's true. All right, you're up. What do you got? Oh, I'm up? I don't really have him. Sean McDermott, the coach of the Bills, who's going to coach against the Seahawks. You see him? He's on a cell phone at halftime? No. Yeah, they, but, yeah there's, you're not allowed to have a cell phone on the bench. He's on a cell phone. What was he doing? He, he's walking out to the to the to the locker room after a half against the Patriots, and he's on a cell he's phone. He just had it there the whole time. No, it turns out this is COVID for you. He's doing the CBS interview on a cell phone. Oh, gotcha. 
Yeah. So that's the that's what he was doing. He was COVID. actually doing. He was like a, doing a radio, a, 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 like a radio interview, a radio hit, on a, a radio hit on a cell phone. Because the sideline yeah. reporter always runs over and grabs him, and oh, right. that's funny. And the other thing I had is, and this is, I see you do these, you do these kind of sportsy figures in the news, yeah. like Sean Kemp is sports, but the story's not really sports. Right. Right. Yeah. I have I have boring like Giancarlo Stanton. This interests me. Okay. Do you know who Giancarlo Stanton? I is? know the name. Yeah. Okay. He's the the big one of the big massive Yankee sluggers who came from the Marlins who won the one of the hits the ball further than anybody else. Okay. He and Aaron Aaron Judge. Yep. You know Aaron Judge sure. yeah, and yeah. Gian, so Giancarlo Stanton signed this huge contract and he had a big decision to make. Okay. This past weekend he had to decide whether he was going to opt out of the final seven years of his contract with the Yankees. He had a clause when he signed there coming from the Marlins, that after this season, he could opt out of his the final seven years of his contract. So I guess he it was a nine-year or ten-year contract, and he's done two or three years. Okay. So he has a – and he has chosen to not opt out. Okay. So he's going to take his $220 million. Jeez. $220 million. He's decided, you know what? I'll go ahead and do it for the seven years, $220 million. <laughs> It's big of him. <laughs> Good. I'm happy for him. It kind of reminds me of my favorite line in Trading Places. <laughs> oh, yeah? I think I can hang with you fellas for a while. That's right, exactly. Yeah. I think I'll hang with you fellas for a while, is what uh, <sighs> Giancarlo Stan said to the Yankees. Anyway, I think that that's interesting. I have a quick John Ross story from the Huskies. Former yeah, he wants, Husky, yeah, wants yeah. a trade. Yeah, I think What's he wants co- to come home. Really? But this isn't home. I guess California's home, but you know what I mean. When he got drafted, I told my Husky honk friends, kind of to piss him off a little bit, but I said John Ross will be in Canada in four years. I don't think he'll make it in the NFL. Did you say that before he ran a 2-3-40, or did you say that after he ran the 2-3-40 it was, at the Combine? It was after, when he got drafted. I don't know. For some reason, I just didn't Didn't he have see a good game against the Seahawks last year or a couple? I don't know. Didn't I don't he know. once catch some balls? I don't get it. Anyway, he I'm said, it's not a secret that I've requested a trade. Trade me if this is how y'all feel. I'm healthy and eager to play. I know I can be productive, blah, blah, blah. There's so. a lot of receivers there in Cincinnati that are ahead of them. A lot of them. They got a new guy, uh, Higgins, um, from, from Tennessee. I think it's T. Higgins. They've got Boyd. They've got Green. They've got a lot of guys in Cincinnati that are ahead of... Uh, 4-1-9-40. You should find a way to yeah. get on the field. You know, I just, you know what always bothered me? John I don't know. Ross. I'm not trying to dump on it, but the playoff game against Alabama, the, the Huskies against Al, one versus four. Yes, he I took remember. a big hit early in the game and then really was never to be seen again. Well, the question was always going to be when you looked at his legs at Washington, as fast as he was, as dynamic yeah. as he was, when you just looked at his build, you were always like, okay, how are those little toothpicks for legs going to hold up when big grown men, that's right, 350 pounders are laying on top of him? Yeah. And yeah. the answer is it has. They, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I was looking up his yeah. size. I think he's bald. Doug Baldwin's size. But Makes it, sense. It feels different, though, doesn't it? Doug no. Baldwin just looks more sturdy to me. He doesn't. Yeah. I mean, John Ross just looks thinner, a little more slight. So, yeah. anyway, we'll see where he goes. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him. All right. Uh, let's see what we got next year. Oh, big news for Rob Kardashian. I know you've been dying. Remember he bought that cockamamie baseball card? Yeah. Yeah. It turns out um, that ultra rare one that he bought is in uh, gem mint condition. So now it's worth between one hundred and two hundred and fifty thousand. Who was it of again? It was a Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah. Not baseball card. Football. Card. It's a football card. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. He'll, he'll get top dollar if he chooses to sell it. So finally, a Kardashian catches a break in life. Happy for all of them. Good for him. All right. Do we want to do the story about the Arizona Coyotes player? No. Yeah. Skip it. Really? Everybody look up the Arizona Coyotes player. Yeah. You can right. see the story. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer. All right. Rest in peace time. Unless oh. you have something else. No. Sean Connery. Oh, yes. That's a big that. one, right? Saturday, Friday. 
How do you feel about Sean Connery? Love him. Yeah? Yeah. All right, I won't point you in the he, direction he, of the video where he oh, no. tells Barbara Walters it's okay to slap a woman if she deserves it. Oh, he said that? Yeah. Now, it could have been 25, 30. He said that? It's, it's Am a, I the only guy in the world that doesn't know that he said that? Are you looking at me like, Mitch, what's wrong with I you? I don't know how many people know it. It could have been 30 years Ooh. ago. Maybe he's a different guy. Ooh. But it's Barbara Walters. It's not Ooh. like he was in his house and someone recorded him. It's, he Ooh. knows it's going on TV. Ooh. And she even says, how can you say that? Ooh. And he sort of justifies it by, well, you know, they have to get the last word all the time. And Oh. <laughs> that's all I can think of when I saw And again, he's a great actor. Right? This, is, this has not been a stirring tribute to him, but oh. that's, that's all I can think about. Oh. Yeah. It is a podcast. I mean, we could play it at some point, but. Do you think of him or do you think of Roger Moore? Is it Roger Moore? Yeah, Roger Moore. Who do you think of as 007? I guess it, it depends on how old you are. Right. Daniel Craig. I guess I think more of Roger Moore. Than Sean Connery. Roger Moore was first? No, Sean Connery was before he Roger was, Moore. Okay. I've, I've seen like two Bond. I'm, I'm no really? expert on Bond movies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sean Connery was before. Oh, Roger he was. Moore. For, okay. So oh, yeah. He, Sean Connery was 90 when he died. Yeah. 90. I just watched The Rock. Roger Moore. Is, is, is Roger Moore still a, is he still alive? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I got I the right name, right? Roger Moore? Yeah, Roger Moore. Sure. Yeah, yeah he was Bond. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, rest in peace to Sean Connery. <laughs> Quite the tribute. He's R.I.P.s. I just couldn't. I, that's all I thought about when I. Yeah. Anyway, he starred in seven Bond Bond films: From Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever, and Never Say Never Again. I, I know the song. I'm I surprised think. you didn't bring the audio of the Barbara Walters interview. Well, like I said, it is a podcast, and we could play it if you'd like. Take two seconds to find it. One fifteen p. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Is that where we do our P. dirty work? No. And we get emails? P. <laughs> okay, gotcha. 115P. All right, fair enough. All right, one more rest in peace. Sure. Cornerback and NFL Hall of Famer Herb, Herb Adderley. Adderley. Yes, yeah. yes, I, I yes, yes. A little before my time. Yeah, but. before my time, too. I think Green Bay Packer and Dallas Cowboy that's right. corner. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the Packer Hall of Fame. 26. Did he wear 26? I think that's right. Yeah, three-time Super right. Bowl. This is interesting. Three-time Super Bowl champ, but six-time NFL champion. Yeah, before the Super before Bowl. The, yeah, before yeah. the Super Bowl he was, was winning the Super NFL Bowl. championships. Yeah. That, that would be nine. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Five-time Pro Bowler. He's on the All-Decade team for the '60s. Did he win more or less than Marino won? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had 48 career picks. So rest in peace to Herb Adderley. Yeah, I think Marino had 48 career picks too. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. <laughs> All right, we ready for the last one? Sure. A Florida man was mauled after paying $150 for a. Full contact experience with a black leopard. He paid 150 bucks for a full contact experience with a black leopard. Yeah. That means he wants to go in and pet the leopard. The, I don't know. He goes into a zoo. You saw Tiger King. I did. I did. A little bit of it. I, I stopped. People pay for that stuff. Yes. They want to. Yeah. When they're kid, when they're babies. They like the little cubs. Well, they also like the big ones, too, for some reason. Oh, they do. You couldn't, okay. you couldn't pay me 150 okay. to get it right. No, I'm not. Some, some people love I'm it. I'm going to pass on that. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's undergone, he, he's 50 years old. He's undergone two surgeries since being attacked by the animal on August 31st. Uh, he got in the cage. Get and his it, money back. It started, well, it's not clear. He got in the cage. He started growl. It started growling. At, right. Is it? Okay. It, instantly. Maybe it's not a good day. Yeah. Maybe it's not a good day is right. Yeah. So, um, after he unlocked the cage, it's, he sat on the bench inside and it started growling and attacked Mr. Turner, biting him on the head and ear. Quote, Mr. Turner sustained injuries to the right side of his head and ear. Mrs. Turner stated she had to place part of Mr. Turner's scalp back in place oh. 
because it was hanging from his head and his We've right ear was before. torn in half. Yeah. We've heard of a very infamous moment of that happening in American history, but go ahead. Yeah, not good. So anyway, the guy who owns the, the Panther or whatever it is admitted to investigators, he knew what he did was illegal and he answered questions but would not provide a written statement. So yeah, this guy's going to be Are you, you know, sure he's a Florida man? I had like three people send this to me. <laughs> people love it now. I'll, there's a Twitter account called Florida Man. So I'm getting stories all the time. you have any remarks about this? you have any opinions about this? Any statements to make about this story? 150 bucks to rub a panther's tummy. Sign me up, said Christian McCaffrey. He can use the money. I guess I don't. <laughs> While the victim's wife was placing the scalp back on her husband's head. Oh, God. She claims that she could actually see inside his skull and has confirmed that there is no brain in there. The victim is resting at home, recovering from cat scratch fever. <laughs> Ted and, Nugent. Yeah, good call. There you go. He, this poor guy. I he wanted was, to boast there that I knew that. Yeah, I know. I had to throw that in. <laughs> he was really embarrassed. He claims he was actually hoping for a full contact experience with a cougar, not uh, a panther. Yeah, there you go. Bump, bump, that's it. Yeah. Bump. You're going to dump bump me? Come on. <laughs> that, that's a good joke right there. People know what a cougar is, I hope, right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, all right. I guess we'll find out. Episode 115, the Seahawks win. The Seahawks Congrats. play uh, coming up against the Buffalo Bills. Got to go across to Buffalo. Some may call that one of the most difficult tasks remaining on their yeah. schedule. The Seahawks would be the number one seed in the NFC if the season ended today. Become a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. Click on Become a Patron. Five bucks a month. We hope that you'll join us. Click on click play on all of these episodes. Please, 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 please. Any episodes that you haven't yep. clicked play on, do so. Tell a friend. Tell people. Share. Yeah, 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 if you yeah, like yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And beat the boys competition presented yes. by, by Fireside Home Solutions. Three games to pick this week, and your code word is Tua. Yes, it is. Very excited. And I know. I know. He didn't do anything. <laughs> But I'm still excited because some of the throws he made, I just, they look like he throws a really good football. Does he throw kind of sidearm-y? No, but, but he slings Uncle, it, man. Uncle, Uncle Rico it's from Napoleon Dynamite. It's a spiral, and it's right on the yeah. button. Now, he didn't do anything. But does, how does he look, how do his legs look? Does he look active, like he could take yeah. off if he had to? Yeah, 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 if he has to, yeah. Because he was good at that, right? I mean, Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's going to feature that anymore, okay. but yeah. But if he has to, he can take off. By the way, Seahawks fans, you're going to love the fact that the Niners have to now play on Thursday night against a pissed-off Green Bay team on national TV. Is that a Thursday night game? <laughs> get their asses kicked. They get four No, no, no. We want the Niners to win. I know, but they're going to get handled, right? I don't know. All right. Topsy-turvy oh. NFL this year. Very yeah. difficult to... Did you think the Green Bay Packers were going to lose to a <laughs> one-win Vikings team right. in Green Bay on Sunday? Never know. Don't count your chickens. All right. I okay. shall not. Uh, anything else? That's it. I'm you ready. sure? How was your Halloween, by the way? Happy Halloween belated to everybody. I'm sure you went to a big costume party. No, we didn't do it. Got, got crazy, no, got home no, at 3 a.m. No, 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 no. Stumbled no. out of the Uber. Hit, hit, we, the doorbell rang twice. Oh, yeah? For candy. A little light sad. on that. Yeah. So sad. We have a big sign at the beginning of our neighborhood where the neighborhood said we're we're discouraging trick-or-treating this year. Oh, okay. So, I know. It's so sad. It, I love seeing the little kids of course. In, when they're uni in their uniforms or whatever, in their costumes. costumes. Yes, yeah, uniforms. Costumes, yeah. Scaring the shit out of them. <laughs> And no one loves Halloween more than kids. It's probably goes like, you know, Christmas or like the holidays and then Halloween's right, you know, right behind that. Yeah. Right? I mean, the holidays, you can't beat that. You I'm always very hard on the, the older kids that come to the door. I enjoy that each year. Oh. I, give them, I give them a really hard, I'm like, come, I'm like, really? Yeah, you give them the guilt, do you? If I feel like they're about 14, 13, 14, I go, I, I open the door, I go, really, you want candy? Really? Yeah. I go, 
Is this it now? Is this, <laughs> are you, is this your last year? Did Breck do anything? Did he, did he go no, out? He went or? to a buddy's, but they didn't yeah. dress up. These went to a buddy's, okay. I think, and play basketball outside and yeah. pizza. Nice. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do what? What do you want to do? Uh, go get food and go home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to play that clip on the, uh, the P episode. I'm going to find Sean, it. I'll, Sean I'll, Connery? Sean Connery, yeah. Sean Connery? I don't want to ruin it for everyone, but, you know, we should hear it. We, we, we should know the man. He died. That's true. Yeah, I got Episode 115, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy Pac-12 football this week. It's in the books.